0: Recorded in the comfy confines of the Auto Media Group studios, we bring you the Get Deep Podcast, part of the Connect Podcast Network. Join friends and business owners, Aaron Jones and Wes Otto, as they bring forth stories of guests who are movers and shakers in their industries and beyond. I love how you guys don't have any notes. Oh, we haven't. <laughs> oh, you do?
1: Well, you're the first guest in a long time I haven't had any prepped for because...
0: That's true. Yeah, I don't really need them. Yeah. But you can take notes of the things I say if, they, if you find them profound.
2: Oh, there's basically I'll be writing the whole time because you are full of profound information, Jordan, and that I'm excited about. I actually think I need more ink in my pen. You might. Well, tonight
1: we've got my really good
2: friend, Jordan, who
1: is no longer from the Mankato area, which is upsetting, but we'll get into that.
0: Well, am I no longer from or I no longer – I mean
1: – Listen, even if you were never really from Mankato – you just
0: don't live here anymore,
1: and it's upsetting. But for me, mostly, yeah, <laughs> let's well, be honest. Just
2: supporting you. Thank you. Getting through I this. I need
1: that. Yeah. I need you. But I know you do. Anyways, tonight we have Jordan Powers, and Jordan is a good friend of mine. Uh, he's also largely responsible for the reason why this space even exists, quite frankly. I did have a business partner that went on this with me, but uh, Jordan and I met, gosh, that would have been five years ago at this point, a little more than five years ago, five and a half, I'd say
0: six, probably.
1: Yeah. We were, uh, maybe even seven posting some dumb videos. Uh, OMG was posting some dumb videos on social media. They were good videos, but they weren't good quality. And Jordan saw them, uh, and reached out and said, Hey, you know, you could do this a little better. Would you, (laughs) would you, and he said it very nicely. And, uh, would you like to meet up and just chat? And so, We actually just had dinner at Blue Bricks, which is hilarious because that's where we went for our first drink to talk and uh, ended up kind of evolving into a business relationship that led to us launching this collaborative space that Auto Media Group's name is on. But a lot of different entrepreneurs do creative businesses out of. So Mm -hmm. that's how I know Jordan. But long story short, here he is, the man, the legend. Jordan, thanks for being on the show tonight.
0: I appreciate it. Uh, It's round two. We won't talk to. about it. We won't talk about the first. Time. <laughs> it was a warm up. This it, is the second test run, if you will. I mean, the first one was kind of a test run, and now we're testing with the with the video stuff.
1: Well, and this is particularly cool for Aaron and I because now instead of us messing up and being mad at ourselves because we have to fix it. It's all Jordan's problem because he's also going to be the one editing these uh, moving forward. Yes,
0: so. so you guys can reach out to me with all your <laughs> complaints, all your, uh, all your complaints,
2: questions, desires, yeah. new camera angles,
0: especially desires. You guys are absolute angels, huh? so just go with it. Okay. <laughs> yes, and everybody's going to see how. How well-behaved you guys actually are. Super well-behaved.
2: That's right. Yeah. I'm curious about the setup of the camera. So, I obviously, we've got them over here. Hey. Uh, excited about them. The one camera that's under my table, kind of between my legs, though, did you mean to set that camera up there?
0: I definitely meant to. You did? Absolutely. Okay, just yeah. to, like,
2: test my excitement level during it's, podcasts. It's like a meter. The future. <laughs> it's a meter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's just not digital. It's an analog meter. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah.
2: Genius. I love it.
0: Thanks.
1: This Uh, is going to be cool. I'm glad that we've got this capability now. And, I, you know, Aaron and I have been doing this solo as far as the production side of it for so long. And so now to be able to bring on someone that actually has some talent as opposed to me who just stumbles through it uh, is going to really take this thing to the next level. Well, I
0: think, you know, I've been a fan. And I'm not just saying, I mean, you you know, I listen to every single episode. I literally message you almost after every one. Appreciate it. Giving you either kudos or critique. Please. Always. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, ex- I'm excited for the video opportunities, being able to see it. Hopefully, people will see like little snippets of it. We talked about that a little bit. So, Yeah. yeah it's going to be
1: this. some social content. People aren't going to be able to get away from us. We're going to be in front of them all the damn time. Let's mm-hmm. do it. Let's whore ourselves out there, as they say. Yeah. Right? Yeah, plus,
0: people <laughs> you will be able to see where you guys have been doing this. That's right.
1: Time. The experience.
0: Yeah. Have it. you ever actually talked about like what, like what this space? I don't think you've talked about the space. Like, passingly.
1: We, we've talked about the fact that we've got a cool office set up. And just about every guest has said it, whether it was on air or off air. Everyone's pretty much said it. But it's a very neat space. And like I said, Jordan was a big part of the reason why it even happened. But um, the short story is is that everyone that's up here has their own small business or they're, they're their own freelancers. Um, Auto Media Group is on the door. Auto Media Group works with all of the freelancers that are up here um, in some capacity, some of them more so than others, but it's just a a really nice open studio style space that's got um, super talented people that are doing everything from graphic design to video production and website development and we've got a lobby and my desk and some Christmas decorations up there and then a video production studio and a little kitchen so we never have to leave and... Jordan helped make all of that happen, too.
0: And by the way, it's February or March, maybe even April right now. So <laughs> th- it's just laziness that they haven't taken <laughs> yeah, Thanks attention. for that. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But no, this, I think uh, going back to the Blue brick story, like the origin story of all this, I don't know, like one of the things about even like leading up to this, like everything's kind of happened organically. Yeah. We talked about this a little bit before. It's like all the thing, like everything we've done, we were talking about this a little bit last night, like everything that we've kind of done. Have, has just all happened organically. It's never been forced. We're like-minded. We think about big picture ideas. And this literally came out of needing a studio to film in. And we had the idea of looking for a space. And yep. we were sitting up at um, Neutral Grounds, right, on in Lower North. Keep going. And then Natasha from River Valley Women came in and said, oh, you guys ought to go check out that space. And we we're like, all right, and then, because we'll, we were looking at other places.
1: Yeah, I no, I, I found this one on Facebook.
0: Mm, that's we, not how. That's not it happened. Because remember, you did. Oh yes, I'm sorry, you did. Yeah, you, no,
1: Natasha only was involved in regards to the concept that we were potentially going to work on that was going to be shot out of the studio. It was I found that listing which was kitty cornered to this on Facebook. Uh, and then I arranged for us to come do a viewing of it. And while we were viewing it, Aaron Atampa, the owner of the building, said, hey, I've got this other space over here It's not developed. Do you want to check it out? And I basically looked at him like, well, I can't afford to do it. But sure, let's go take a look at this office space I can't develop. And we walked up here, and it was wonderful. And we planned out a bunch of different things we could do. And he goes, well, I'll work with you to make it happen. And so Aaron's a big part of the reason why it came together too.
0: I'm going to fill in some gaps because there are some things you're, sure you're just, just for the sake of continuity. So we did, we were, we were looking for spaces. We visited a few different we places. Did. We were having coffee or something at neutral grounds on, on Belgrade. It's neutral grounds, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Nailed it. And thank you. Nailed it. And then Natasha came in and we we're telling her what we we're doing. And she, she did say, you should go check that out. And we did. And we we're like, now nah, this wouldn't work. And then we gave up on the idea, and then you saw the listing on Facebook. And you're like, we're like, oh, let's go check it out again. So there, there, that all that all did happen. You
1: made up a whole step in there that didn't happen, but I'm, that's okay. Dude, I,
0: it, look in my Hollywood version of this, and like <laughs> the, the script that I'm writing in my head. That's what happened.
1: As the guy that signed the four-year lease and was super concerned about it, I remember every detail. I'm pretty look, sure. Okay, That was the part?
0: Of that I event. think. Event. Let me tell think you what happened. My I mean. version is more romantic because. It just kept on show, it sh- kept on showing up yeah. in my sure. version, yeah. And it was like a, a, a meant to be, kind of whatever like, makes you happy. My that's friend. that makes me happy. So I love it.
2: Let me let me take a sidestep for a moment, Please. just because obviously the studio is what it is now. And if anybody has been to the OMG Studios up here, it's a really cool collaborative space. Has a relaxing vibe about it. It has the business vibe about it. Obviously, it's an open uh, floor plan in the middle, so it has that kind of creative. The cubicles aren't all. The desks aren't all cubicled in and everybody's you know sectioned off. It just has an open kind of collaborative vibe. But when you first came into the space before it was what it is now, what drew you to wanting to be up here so bad? What did you feel in your soul?
1: It was a blank slate. Um, so all of the spaces we'd looked at before, we were definitely approaching it from both a budget and then a functionality standpoint as well. So it was very equal on both of those sides because – we were a bunch of freelancers. We were just throwing money together from what we had from our individual businesses. But I think the blank slate and the ability to come up and say, okay, here's what we could make happen here. And it's a big space. So there's a lot of possibilities. That was a big part of it. Um, the proximity to other things in town. I mean, we're so close to downtown. We're so close to the highway. That was helpful. Um, there was a high visibility which wasn't a requirement but it was like an added benefit because if we did signage people would be able to recognize where we were so
0: i'd say like also one of the things and like i said everything's kind of happened somewhat organic with us yeah but the other thing that's happened is we've always kind of thought big picture yeah and kind of outside of what was uh i don't know how to word this so it it wasn't like realistic for us at the time but we had we had big dreams And, like, a big vision of, like, okay, well, this could be this. This could be this. And we had this in our head of this is what it could become. And I would argue it has become that. Yeah. We just were kind of dreaming at the time. And one of the big things was having a studio space. Yes. Which I was primarily going to operate out of. That was kind of, like, my, what I brought to the table. And we needed enough space to put a large functioning studio that could have multiple sets and everything and a big psych wall. One of the, you remember the green screen that used to be in there. So, um because the idea was, we were, in part of the thing, I'm not sure if we talked about, We did Wes mentioned we did have multiple businesses that were independent um, freelancers, graphic design. Yeah, part of it was that we wanted to bring people up here and, you know, my clients who, who were doing video stuff could see what Wes and Derek and everybody else was doing up here. And, you know, so it was, it was very different than what we see in co-working spaces now because it's generally... Whatever your business is, you come, you pay a, a monthly fee, and you, you get an office out of a space. This was, like, intentional. Mm-hmm. Everybody that came up here, like, had to fit a purpose to, like, serve the, the greater business community. Um,
1: and had to fit from, like, a personality and a yeah. feel and a vibe and a work ethic standpoint. If you didn't fit from that standpoint, it's not like we were just going to say yeah to anyone that came in off the street. It was definitely... Built with the intent of people that are up here doing business together. So a very unique version of a co-working space that's, I mean, the co-working happens because everyone's individually renting and paying in towards the master lease. But
2: But almost a natural referral system for each other, which is also mm -hmm. really cool because you all trust each other because you kind of vetted each other out and felt comfortable and then it's easy to yeah. say, yeah, use Jordan for this or use Ashley for that or you yeah. for management on yeah. other social media and whatnot. Yeah, and the ability to work
1: under one brand too, which yeah. is powerful because that's there's huge. a lot of different businesses that aren't interested in piecemealing six different freelance solutions. Which is that. where Auto Media Group comes in because everyone has their own book of business, but they're oftentimes fed largely by the larger sure. you know, collaborative too.
0: So. And that's and that's a good point. So, you know, other marketing companies anywhere, whether they it's use in or anywhere. all the time, they right? use freelancers all the time, but it's kind of like, um, it's not like a secret, I guess, but they don't really,
1: they don't advertise, they it don't
0: either. advertise it that way. But like, because you've everybody and you actually form a relationship with everybody before they actually join up here. Yep. Like Matthias is a really good example. Yeah. Um,
2: I didn't vet him very well, clearly. Like, obviously, yeah. But, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. He's not going to listen to this anyway, right? So. <laughs> That's true. That's true. We can say whatever we want about him. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Maybe you will get him to listen if we tell him we ripped on him a ton in the episode. Then he'll be like, "I gotta listen. Listen. I got to
0: listen to that." Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> no, but you know, it, it we, he, at the time we didn't we didn't know exactly where he fit, but I mean, he mm-hmm. he does fit. He has he has he has a, he has a oh, for sure. You know, he 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 brings a piece that was kind of missing, you know, yep. um so, and even me, I'm not, I'm no longer living here, but, you know, here I am, you know, yeah. still, still doing work with you guys yep. in various capacities, so.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. We've got a total of seven folks up here, including myself and then my office administrator that's on board too, but we've got a total of 12 if you count the, like, consistently hired contractors that are not even in the space physically. So, really a pretty decent size um, for who we are and what we're doing, which is fun. Yeah.
2: Jordan, let's uh, let's go back in your story here a little bit as far as when did you, like, where did you grow up? You didn't grow up here locally, but no. where did you grow up? Kind of childhood um, stories there, a little bit of history.
0: I grew up in Toledo, Ohio. Uh, long story short, moved here in 2009 with Verizon. So Verizon had the call center over on 22, and it was originally... Midwest Wireless, mm-hmm. and then Altel, and then Verizon bought it out and took over. So I relocated out here with them to help set up their customer service wing because it was pr- primarily all tech support over there, but they were bringing customer service in, into the call center. And I was in Ohio working at an Altel call center and was part of a group that came out here and, and helped set, set things up. Uh, it was in the middle of January, one of the coldest Januarys, that you guys had on record. I was sick the whole time, like with a, with a bad cold, but I mean, I fell in love with the area and I was like, I'd love to go back out there. And, um, yeah, it's less than two months later, they put a position up for a permanent supervisor role here. And I was like, my wife and I were newly married and we're like, Hey, you want to just go for it? And we did. And ironically, the, the manager out here was originally from Toledo, Ohio. Um, and so we kind of hit it off with that connection and i i'm a horrible interviewer but i got the job i'm guessing that had some some to do with it but also because i kept in touch with all the i became friends with with people that lived here in that two week period and um yeah that's what happened and then we relocated out here like less than I don't know, less than a year into our marriage and started fresh here. So I step, we, I mean, we established roots here. So when I say I'm from Mankato, I, I do feel like this is home, even though I was born and raised in Toledo until I was 28, you know? So,
1: so predating your move to Mankato, you had a lot of different jobs. You tried a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, I know one of the things was audio engineering, right? But do you just want to maybe walk us through a little bit of your eclectic career path and what's kind of led you to where you are today?
0: Yeah. Well, for me, i uh, I was never I was never somebody to keep a job for more than two years, and it wasn't because I would get fired or anything. I just would lose interest, and I'd I, I and I'm kind of the same thing, same way now. I have to be doing something different every. I have to try something new. I just. I enjoyed variety in my life and that's kind of, I mean, looking back, I can think that, but I did everything. I mean, all the basic jobs you get as a teenager and a 20 year old piece of delivery, working at a car wash, um, working at a Chinese restaurant, washing dishes. That was my first job at 15, but yeah, like no job I kept for longer than two years. I think in total, I tried adding them all up one day and I have, I've had like over 30 like nine to five jobs basically. Um, I had a job drawing caricatures at the Toledo Zoo. Wow! So I, I think through that though I, I, all that experience I always walked away with something like some kind of learning experience, whether it was like witnessing a client interaction, um, witnessing like just how just how business was done. Um, so I think that, and I'll, I'll also add that I've always been somewhat entrepreneurial. Like I remember as a kid kind of like that whole Gary V story. Everybody hears about the lemonade stands and everything. Like with me, I, I have two distinct memories. Um, one is that I would, there, I have a memory of me setting up like a little, I was probably five, six, seven or something. I, I set up a little game, like carnival, like generic in my little yard or whatever. And I lived in this this townhome complex and I, w- I would set up these games and ki- the neighborhood kids would have to pay me like a quarter to play a game that I would set up and they could win one of of the toys that I didn't want anymore. So um, I have a distinct memory of doing that. And then I have another one that was a little more shady. Um, I was, I I remember I was in first grade, uh, maybe second, yeah, I was second grade. And I... You
1: were acting like a pimp? First
0: or second grade. And I, um, I discovered that you could, I remember watching a girl scratching silver crayon off like she was like scratching the, I th- I've told you about this before yeah. and I was like oh I can make scratch off lottery tickets and I probably shared this on the, the last time we recorded too but I basically 6-7 years old was making lottery tickets and selling them to the kids in my classroom I mean I wasn't I I couldn't tell you I was like actually selling them I just know that was the intention and I, I did get in trouble <laughs> The idea was I would take, and I did actually, I I must've sold one or two because in, in the office they had a pencil, number two pencil dispenser with, and all the number two pencils had cool eighties designs on them. Um, and yeah, I remember buying a pencil with the thing there, like a quarter, you get two pencils and I do remember at least buying one set of pencils. (laughs) So. Was
1: your intention to ever have a winning scratch off, and what were you gonna do in that situation? <laughs> I don't know. I, I
0: mean, I, I guess in my memory, I feel like I probably didn't have a winning. Of course, not. scratch off. <laughs> why, there
1: currently are no winning scratch offs but, yeah. in the real world, so why not just keep it that way? Uh, but I, I,
0: I don't. I mean, the memory is so fuzzy. I just have a couple of those like little distinct memories, but. Yeah, I always had this weird entrepreneurial, like, hustle kind of thing.
1: My favorite one is the one from your, I think it was your college days when you were selling tickets, right? You did ticket prints for, like, bands, and was it in Ohio?
0: Yeah, I somehow got a hold of a laser printer. Um,
1: When was this, like, year-wise?
0: I must have been 21, 22, 23, maybe. Is this um, like the eighties then, or <laughs> no this would have been in like er- er- the early early two thousands, so okay. I was probably i was probably more like i don 't remember I was young in the, sure. in the early twenties, and yeah, I somehow acquired a printer a laser printer, and I was in a band at the time, and we were playing at the, you know the local clubs, and the tickets were like just like the, you go buy them at Walmart and I was like what if we made like so I, I dabbled in graphic design that's that's another story at the time and um I was like I can make these tickets with my laser printer and I, I started designing tickets with this club and they paid me for them and um yeah then I started designing like little those little one inch pins the bands would sell and started designing shirts and cd covers and stuff like that so I had like a little because that was
1: design. one of your first like adult entrepreneurial <laughs> yeah, ventures, my right? first
0: non non like shady. Yeah, I wasn't a carny. I wasn't a <laughs> and I wasn't a uh, uh, you know a uh, uh, lottery casino ticket. operator. Yeah, <laughs> casino <laughs> operator at, at age yeah. seven. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty
2: amazing. Where does so? I'm thinking as you're telling these stories, you know, everybody's got an origin story. You kind of jumped. Uh, forward a little bit on, you know, yeah. 2009 is kind of where you started your history. You said you're from Toledo, all those things. But uh, the motivation, the curiosity, the, um, the business um, kind of um, passion, if you will, where does that come from? That a parent or no somebody idea. in your family was in business or I, would, you know, have, talk to no. you guys about being creative and creating little projects and stuff or no?
0: I have no idea. It just came out of nowhere. I know at one point in my life, my parents opened up a, like a group home for people who are transitioning out of mental health facilities. But that's like the only entrepreneurial endeavor that anybody I knew growing up did. And I think I was probably nine or 10 at the time when that happened.
2: Okay. How long did they operate that?
0: I mean, my memory, maybe a year or two. Oh,
2: so it's pretty short lived.
0: Yeah. It it just, it's
2: probably really a tough thing to do.
0: I I think think it was just poorly managed. According to them, they just they're not business people, and sure. they just didn't make the right decisions. They, you know, in hindsight, there's so many different things they could have done, and they just they didn't because they didn't know any better. And
1: Everyone thinks it's easy, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful yeah. way to your parents. It's just no, of everyone, everyone always thinks, oh, yeah, I'm going to open up a business, right? especially yeah. restaurants. Yeah.
2: So Midwest Wireless, Altel, Verizon. Was that the exact order? I'm not sure, but yeah, I think it was. Um, so you're there. Your role there again when you came to Mankato, when you decided to move after a year of marriage with, with your wife, um, your role there again was what? You are hired in as what?
0: I was hired in as a supervisor. In
2: the customer service? Yeah, in customer area. service. How many people were you supervising
0: at that Anywhere point? from like 10 to 15 people at a time. Okay.
2: How did you like that? Was it pretty challenging?
0: Uh, you know, it was challenging, yeah. I... You know, and maybe this is the entrepreneurial thing. Uh, there's, Have you heard of the phrase, I'm sure you have, intrapreneur? Yeah. Like entrepreneurs within an organization. It's already sure. within an organization. So they're making out-of-the-box decisions. Like, So I always found myself, even in the corporate environment, more intrapreneurial. So during that time, I was kind of like finding different ways that were like against what Verizon wanted us to do. To like, <coughs> oh, sorry. To like Nailed it. coach my team members, you know. Sure. so. It, it, and it actually worked well for me. Like, I would have a lot of people wanting to be on my team often. I was kind of a weird supervisor, but it was because I was, I did all these outside-of-the-box things. I would, like...
2: Like, this, you were making scratch-offs again as you were, as <laughs> no, you were supervising. But I came I but
0: I did, I did do some, like, stupid things in hindsight. Like, I, I, I do have one memory. I, I basically tied everybody's value <laughs> in the organization, and I I put it on a chart and made it look like a stock market. Oh, and. No. It was, you know, kind of tacky in hindsight, but I, I was like, basically this is how you guys are performing. And like, it was like, I just, I put a, like a, a stock ticker up there. A visual
1: representation. A visual representation That's and actually really powerful and, and not tacky. That's, I it's, mean, it's the application might've been, but the it, idea is powerful. I think it was yeah. more the
0: application. Cause I'm, yeah. I was, I was, um, yeah, I didn't have a, I didn't, I don't, and I still don't have a very good filter. <laughs> it's a lot better now, but like back then I just didn't have a filter. Um, but you know, I would just try things that weren't like part of the, the corporate standards and read a lot of books and tried a lot of things that were outside of like the corporate world. Um, yeah. So it, and with So within Verizon, I started doing, um, also like visual communication stuff. So I was taking my camera and, oh gosh, it's a whole other, whole other thing. There's a lot of, there's a lot of like interweaving parts of my life that, that led to various things. But I, I was doing, within, within Verizon, I was doing internal communications. So, like, uh, video stuff. I made, like, a little talk show within Verizon called the Minnesota. Yeah. And the people on there would, like, talk in really thick Minnesota accents. But talk about, like, Verizon news. Um, but in really thick Minnesota accents. So it was really funny.
1: Can we steal the IP, the idea of that, for Jay Long's? Because I could totally see that being a concept that works for
2: yeah, absolutely. Media. Yeah. I am totally down. We're going to We do should that. do that. Yeah. I like I'll, it.
0: I'll, I'll send you some of the, I'll show you actually, I have them on my computer, some of the old episodes. Yeah. Do, they're really funny. It's fun.
2: Do you have any samples of um, thick Minnesota accent that you'd like to share on the Get Deep podcast with us Jordan?
0: I was not, so I only produced it. There okay. two people within the organization that.
2: Being the, that the, you're not from Minnesota originally though, and you're from Toledo, mm-hmm. what is something that you think is like the phrase or the biggest word that you feel is totally Minnesotan uh, that, that you hear it you're like, good
0: Lord. How about I share things that people don't often talk about? Because everybody knows about the duck, duck, gray, duck, thing, and the sure. you betcha. Yeah, you the, betcha. Everybody knows about that stuff. But here's something I'd, I've never heard anybody talk about. You guys do this thing where you don't say the D's in words with contractions. So you don't say shouldn't. You say shouldn't.
2: Ah, okay. Couldn't. Now I'm going to have to. Pay attention to that. <laughs> I've know. never noticed that. We're going to have to overly yeah. emphasize when we say those words now, okay. with Jordan.
0: And not everybody, but uh, you know, I hear it. I hear it a lot in Minnesota. It's shouldn't, sh- sh- couldn't. Shouldn't. Uh,
2: you know, you know one thing that I always, um, and I don't know if this is just a Minnesota thing or what, but people say often, member. I hear sure they're talking yeah. about remembering. They'll say member. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. And, and, and I just think it's funny. Instead of remember,
0: there's a, you just did (laughs) some pouring. Are you, did you want to inject or we had not at that point yet?
1: It's a little early, but we could,
0: I mean, we absolutely can
2: uh, do our shout out to our fantastic, wonderful drink sponsor. I actually saw Jane Schwicker today and Jay Long. She was doing some holiday shopping for her family. And from the inception of the get deep podcast, mm, Wesley, Mm. be careful. It's going to be a long night for you there, Pappy. Um, From the inception of the Get Deep podcast, we were super blessed to have the belief um, from Jane Schwickert and the Chancaska crew. So we are sponsored. Our drink sponsor is Changkaska Creek Ranch Winery and uh, Distillery. Thank you, Wes. Um, Their drinks are fantastic. Most people know them for their wines. Um, One of my favorites is Marquette. It's a grape that's a hybrid grape that was created at the University of Minnesota um, it's a cold-climate grape to withstand the harsh winters, and it is a nice, thicker, kind of a Cabernet-ish feel in your tongue with the, the tannins that kind of hang. It's really good. The Marquette's awesome. But tonight, let's talk about what we're sipping on. Wes, do you want to mention what you are enjoying right now? I'm always
1: drinking the Ranch Road straight bourbon whiskey because yeah. that's my favorite go-to if I'm going to drink any of the, the hard liquors.
2: Yeah, so our little tagline that we have or uh, whatnot with the Get Deep podcast is premium spirits quality conversation so we wanted when i had the conversation with jane about their sponsorship with us we talked about trying to get more people to understand that they don't just do great wine but they also do great spirits so we're drinking on the bourbon the straight bourbon tonight we also you know they have a bunch of uh, great things like the ranch road uh, brandy the ranch road barrel gin super good if you like gin um it has won some really great awards Uh, The North Force Cram series, the maple bourbon pecan within that series, you guys try it. It is fantastic. Um, And if you haven't visited the grounds out there in Casota, Minnesota, no exaggeration when I say some of the most beautiful grounds you will find in southern Minnesota and and really many, many places. It's just such a a relaxing place for a business meeting or a date night or just to take a stroll and have a bottle of wine. It's definitely a destination. It's earned it.
1: And uh, they put out some great spirits and we're really grateful to
2: them. We are sponsorship. Yes, we are. Jordan, one last thing. Uh, Are you also sipping on the bourbon tonight?
0: I am sipping on the bourbon. Yes, it's actually in. I'm not just blowing smoke. I literally this is like one of my favorite bourbons that I've ever had. Like I tried it first here and, you know, I've asked Wes on numerous occasions about getting me a bottle there. I talked. I literally talked about driving here once for Mm -hmm. a trip so that I could smuggle some back. I love it um yeah and by the way i was at coffee Hive today mm-hmm. working and uh there was a spanish couple from spain visiting their son who's at the university and they were talking with jen about different things to go see and i recommended them go to chancas sweet yeah yeah, yeah. So it's an easy recommendation yeah it is
2: it is well thank you again chancasca for your sponsorship your belief in the get deep podcast and uh, enjoy if you haven't tried chancasca products please do
1: so let's jump back to where you were originally headed. You said you moved here in 2009. It was largely because of that position with Verizon. Um, but I imagine shortly after you got here, when you were house hunting, that's usually the, the way that I remember your story yeah. starting, you jumped into your next entrepreneurial venture.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, so I was working with Verizon. Jeremy Kolarz, who's a realtor here in Mankato, was one of my employees and he was on my team and when i was just randomly talking about us in front of the house he's like oh you should meet with my brother andrew and i did and you know we hit it off nice guy and we're i distinctly remember we were driving along this whatever what's the street alongside uh busters
2: that would be bell
0: bell we were driving along bell right past busters and i was just like frustrated because we couldn't find any good houses like the MLS photos were just hard to see they're dark and just bad looking and um it was just it was hard to find a house to be interested enough to go look at so we were just like picking random ones we thought could be cute houses like for our first house and yeah eventually I just remember being on that street and I was like "Hey, have you ever considered using professional photography um I was doing photography on the side. My wife and I were shooting weddings in Ohio before we moved to Minnesota. And uh, part of that story is that we we actually, when we moved to Minnesota, we still had 16 weddings scheduled in Ohio and other places in the world. And so, yeah, the first year, we traveled back and forth from Ohio 16 times. Holy crap. Yeah. After that, we were done with weddings. But I was trying to find something different to do with photography.
2: I don't see you as a wedding photographer. Mm. I feel like you would have no patience for that am i right i because that that is a crazy you have to be really patient right yeah no i I
0: definitely don't have any patience now at the time i was still a new photographer learning like making money with a camera and it was my first like actually making real money with with an entrepreneurial not entrepreneurial endeavor so what were you gonna say
1: i was gonna say since i've known you you've slowly lost patience for people so
0: i've lost patience (laughs) i've lost patience for unreasonable you and your <laughs> both, brother. I'm just giving you. Shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I thought he was going to totally say
2: stupid people.
0: I was just waiting for I, it. I was trying White to think says. of stupid. I was trying to think the best way to say that. But, <laughs> but um, yeah. So anyway, from there, I was. He was like, "No, I would have never considered it." And nobody in Mankato was doing professional photography for for real estate, and I didn't realize it was an actual thing. Like I didn't realize it was a niche or niche. If you want to be a snob about it in Minnesota, and. Yeah, so I started doing that 2011, and i have been doing it ever since. So Andrew
1: Collar brought professional photography along with you to Mankato.
0: He did, and From he real and he brought video as well. Yeah. Video, he did video. Well, actually, that's not true. So I, the first video I did for a realtor in Mankato was Angie Benhaman.
1: Realtor,
0: Realtor. Sorry. Yes. Uh, yeah, we did a video once on one of her listings. Um, it, video wasn't really a thing at the time, so it wasn't. You know, it wasn't that she didn't like it or anything. I mean, maybe she didn't. Who knows? But um, it just wasn't really a thing. It was still True. all about photos. And then probably a year or so later, I tried it with Andrew, and he's done them ever since.
1: And you built that into a legit business. Not just you, but you ended up bringing on another photographer mm-hmm. and, and really scaled it and worked with a ton of different brokers around town, right?
0: Yeah. Um, I brought Jason Smith, who owns Aerial Imagery Media. Um, he... I was hiring him originally to do my drone to do my drone work. And he just nice personable guy. Um, eager to learn, eager, eager to like help people He's very like people focused. Um, he genuinely cares about people. And after about a year or two, I was like, Hey, do you want to start shooting at houses? I'm already sending you out to do drone photos. So um, if you want to hop, hop in and start doing a house, I'll, I'll train you. And, Yeah, long story short, now three, I think that was about three and a half years ago, and now he owns the business. Yeah. Yeah, he took it over at the beginning of the year.
1: Well, what I'd say about you, and and this is really neat, you've evolved the business as you've gone along. I know you like variety, but even within the business, you've kind of built variety in and you've, you know, innovated a bit uh, for what maybe other folks are doing nationally, but you've brought it here locally. And I think the thing that I've always been most impressed about your model is your automation and how you built the website and how that shows the range of options of what can actually be presented to a realtor to decide to, you know, do for their clients. Because that's really what it ultimately is: is you're you're making an investment as a realtor to, (laughs) realtor, like that. I did that on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) Um, To try and and make your client's listing look as best. As it can, right? Yeah. So, maybe if you could just give a sampling of some of the different things outside of just basic photos that you guys do.
0: Well, I think it all started. Like I said, we we, try, we first it was all about photos. Then we incorporated video, and then eventually we incorporated. I can't even remember what the next thing was, but probably virtual tours um, with a 360 camera. At some point, it was like floor plans. Uh, you know, anything that would help a realtor. Or realtor market a listing, and that that's what it was all about. I, in 2017 2018, I read the book uh, Building a Story Brand or How to Build a Story Brand or whatever it's called, and changed my entire business model to be more real realtor focused versus house focused. <clears throat> so, and that kind of changed everything. I'm I'm skipping over a bunch of stuff is before that because what led to the studio in the first place was because. When we were at the well when you were technically at your first office in the old law building or whatever yeah um I think yeah, I first rented Dave's old room maybe or
1: yeah we rented one of the extra offices yeah that's there. what it was yeah one yeah.
0: of the extra extra offices and uh set up a green screen in there and brought people on and we did
1: for folks that don't know what the old law building we were down on on um South 2nd Street, which is just down by the kind of Bermuda Triangle of Mankato. And it's just an old limestone building that it's it's a nice enough building. It's a nice location. It just was a bit dated. So we never really thought of it as a place to bring clients. We did it more so as a place to work. And when we were talking about this studio concept, we wanted to do a proof of concept. Jordan specifically was really wanting to make sure that it was a good long-term investment. and so
0: Actually, it started with you guys. That's what happened. Because I brought the green screen and we did the Mankato Medium, man. That there. is true. Yeah, that's when it that started. was the name of the
2: show. Did you know that we did the Mankato Medium? You had told me uh, some information about that. I swear, was it was just in the last couple of weeks we had a conversation yeah. a little bit about the Mankato Medium, kind Media of man. Mad
1: Men like, yeah. but in a digital era, right? Sure. So, man.
0: and that's how I originally found you guys because right. I was doing Made Mankato. I stopped doing that for a few years. Yep. I saw you guys doing video, but I liked again. I didn't like the video, but I liked the message. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I want to help these guys. With the video. That's how that all happened. And then I brought, we met, I brought my backdrop and we filmed some episodes yeah. of Mankato Man. That's how. That's right. Yeah. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, from there I was like, oh, well, I can do one of these and bring my clients on here and interview yep. them. So I put that out on Facebook and that would not only help market the agent, but it helped um, market the property, but also yep. my business. Yeah. And then, you know, that got my face in front of people. So I was able to build some some trust in the realtor community and had more clients come on from there. And yeah, then we moved into the profinium building for a a short period of time. And then we were looking for this place and
3: yeah.
1: Yeah. But to get back to your business on the Minnesota home tours front, uh, which is the name of it, Minnesota home tours, um, I mean, the, the different details that you offer from like sky replacements when you've got a gross day like today to, um, you know, the aerial stuff, which you already talked on, but really important when you've got acreage and you guys do those like outlines too, right? So if you've got like a big piece of acreage and you want to show property boundaries, you guys do that, right?
0: Yeah. Now we do. And it's not that we never did. We just didn't do it by default because it's, it is a process to do that on all of them. But I also always try to steer away from things that I felt were gimmicky and that weren't going to be long lasting. So a lot of things have been introduced to realtors to market themselves and everything. And they last a couple months maybe. And then they're right. So my focus is always on like the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we offer sky replacements. So, you know, days like I've been here for four days now, it's been cl- cloudy and gloomy every single day. Yep. And we've shot, I think three houses, Two, well maybe just two houses during this time so i've had to do sky replacements every time there's a gray sky we do a sky replacement
2: what does that mean for the in layman's terms for sure. those like okay, myself yeah, who you. don't understand
0: so um in photoshop or i use another program to do my sky replacements if if a, if, a, if, a, if you're shooting a photo of a house the sky is gray um all the leaves are brown and <laughs> um
1: in
0: the sky. Yeah, exactly.
2: Uh, You're singing? I, On the, usually it's I me singing. Let it go here. You better edit that out. He <laughs> always edits okay. my singing. Don't out. hold
0: it back anymore, Wes. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway. You um, had a
2: beautiful voice, by the way. Some I would don't. say the voice of an angel. Oh, God, no. Okay.
0: So basically, if the sky is gray, we can make it, we can turn it into a blue sky. That's simple as that. So when I lived here, I lived in Madison Lake for a period of time. We lived over off of Stoltzman for a period of time. And I would go, I, I had like probably five or six places in the Mankato area that the the line of sight was pretty clear on the horizon. So I could I could go like pull over on the side of the road and take a 360 degree photo of the sky in every direction. So I would take that sky, I'd, I'd shoot a house and I'd take that sky and I'd choose a portion of every direction from this, like depending on where the sun is at. And I replaced the sky with, with that. Hmm. So it always looks like there's blue skies in these photos,
1: which evolved into its own business.
0: It did evolve. So I took these skies (laughs) and I held, I was holding on to them for like three years just on my own and not sharing them. And I was telling some friends what I was doing and they're like, Oh, that's freaking crazy. And so I just started selling them. So now I've got a whole separate business where I sell stock photos of skies How
1: many skies are there on your library?
0: Uh, I think over, there's over 200 for sure. And they're all 360 degree panoramic skies. So like that's what's unique about the business is that um, most, and the sky replacement's a well-known thing within the community, the photography community. But what's unique about mine is I'm the only business that offers like the full sky. Um, Whereas other photographers just have like small portions of like cool looking clouds, but this is the entire sky. So it works better for real estate because you're shooting the front, from multiple angles, the back from multiple angles. And I also hired a meteorologist to write out descriptions of all 200 skies. So <laughs> when photographers go to the website, it's called the Sky Library. Um, they can search through the skies, but they can also learn about the skies that they're using and why they show up, why they look the way they look, and how to better predict what skies are going to do.
1: Skylibrary.com? Yep. That's a kick-ass domain, by the way. Thanks. Oh. But to get back to the home tours front, yeah. you've been in how many homes would you say across, let's just say, like, the greater Mankato area?
0: Oh, I mean, probably over 2,000, I would imagine. That's a lot of homes. Yeah.
1: What's the craziest shit you've seen in a house?
0: I've, I've been fortunate to not see too many crazy things. I'm I'm kind of a chicken when it comes to, like, the old basements here. Like, I don't like basements. They freak <laughs> me out. But especially when they're, like, the old ones, like, mm-hmm. in, the, in the old neighborhoods, like... Those don't. I don't do well with those. I also don't do well with like you people out there who are listening. Get rid of your stupid dolls. <laughs> oh, like, the creepy ones. The yeah. creepy, like yeah. not 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 no. Not, little dolls are fine, but there's people with like life size dolls. Not, <laughs> not where your minds are going. Well, you shot there. Ch-
1: you shot Aaron's house, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. No, no, hey, no, no, Like
0: like not life size, but just like like large, yeah. and they're, they're just in the most random places. I was shooting. Like, in North Mankato, I don't remember where it was. In North Mankato, you wouldn't think of it as a creepy house. But, um, yeah, it was, like, I was the only person in there. It was quiet. It was an old person's home. I don't know if they're living anymore. I don't remember. But in the basement, as I'm shooting, and I already hate basements, so I'm already creeped out being in there. And I go into one room, and, like, I turn around, and there's a freaking mannequin with, because she was, like, a seamstress or something. And a freaking mannequin's looking right at me. Um, but you know, stuff like that happens. Um, there's definitely homes that you go into and you just have a it's just a vibe to them that's just like, ooh, this is not it's not comfortable. There was one I shot in like in uh, uh, Mapleton for 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 an agent. I'm, I won't say who it is, but super creepy the entire time I was in there and when I sent her the photos, I photoshopped a ghost doing the dishes. Like I just took a, I just took a photo of an uh, old person from the 1920s and I like superimposed it on the photo. And I said, Hey, I, uh, just you know, I, (laughs) I, sorry, this showed up. I don't know what to do. (laughs) Um, so that was fun. That's amazing. Did, Did she believe it?
2: Yeah, what was the
1: reaction?
0: No, I mean, no, I mean, it was just for fun. Well, no, I've been... Maybe she did, I have no idea. It's so funny. Well,
1: I love this. Uh, Mike, my former business partner, helps shoot sometimes, right? Yeah. And you told me a story about a time that you guys were out shooting, and you were kind of going through the motions with him and everything, and he went off to a different part of the house, and eventually (laughs) you guys met up again later, and he... You you had called out for him. I think was the, he wasn't the story. And he wasn't answering, and then eventually he came up to you and he goes, oh, "I was just talking to that little girl." There. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's never anyone in the house. That's the rule of shooting. And yeah, is, so
0: so oh, wow. there's there's you know, but nothing. I've never seen anything too crazy. You know, some like I rare you've seen hoarders or heard of the show. Hoarders. I Hoorers. was
2: going to ask. I was just thinking that.
0: Yeah, I've only been in one house where it was like that. It was really. I was like. I I never understood what people meant by saying it's sad, but it's just like, it was, you just feel sad being in there. There's like no other way to describe it. It's like, there's like pathways carved out to walk. Um, And this was for, uh, this wasn't for a realtor. This was for somebody who was buying it to probably tear it down, but he wanted the photos for.
2: Gotcha. Cause I was just thinking, yeah, yeah, I was like, why would somebody pay to have those photos done if there's just shit everywhere?
0: Yeah. But that makes sense. Yeah. So, so now, you know, we, when we decided to move, um, Jason now runs the business. Mike shoots for him on the side from time to time. Hopefully he'll be able to grow it a little more next year if the market picks back up. But
2: So you you sold the business to Jason? Yeah. Okay. I,
0: I still am involved. All right. Like for the next three years I'm going to be involved. Okay. Um, from like administrative right now, Like this last year I basically handled all administrative things including editing and um, everything pretty much. So he's still basically just shooting. And then next year he's going to take on some more of the administrative things and, you know, whatever. So we're going to slowly transition over the next couple of years. So sure. he technically owns it. The LLC is under his name. I'm technically a contractor or consultant.
2: Okay. Is the goal to go to, so obviously you, you moved, um, we'll get into this a little bit more, but Toledo, Ohio to Mankato, Minnesota to Nashville for a hot minute, yeah. North Carolina. We'll get into that too, but yeah. were you, it's, uh, minnesotahometours.com, right? Is it the plan to other places kind of do the same thing? Is that the general idea of going to new places to have a new um, market?
0: Yeah, well, um, sort of. I So when I was here the last few years, I, I really started focusing more on architectural photography and the difference between real estate and architecture would be more like a lot of my clients are going to be like corporate offices, like commercial offices and uh, retail locations or <sighs> renovations, usually more, mostly in the commercial space. And the reason for Nashville was because of all the development. Like there's I, I don't know how accurate it is, but there's like 500 acres slated to be developed over the next 5 to 10 years of just commercial space. Um, so working with developers on that to shoot that, like that was one of the main reasons to that we chose Nashville to relocate to. So I could focus more on that.
1: And before we get into any of that, we actually skipped a big chunk of your Mankato story, but you mentioned it, which is Made in Mankato. Yes. Oh, yeah. We definitely have to go through that, because sure. that's a really cool, unique project that you did that was kind of selfless. I mean, I know that there was some motivation behind it for you as to why you did it, but it was really big for the community. And I think you, you elevated the general creative kind of standard within our area. So thanks. What's the, what go through the origin on that? I know it, but let's, yeah. let's give it to the audience.
0: So made man Kato was a project that we did from 2013 to 2014. And I saw there was a filmmaker in Brooklyn Brooklyn, New York, that made a series called "Made in Brooklyn," and he was making these cool videos on local grassroots, bit build- or like or old businesses. Like you would actually love it, like, um, and you would too. But just from a retail perspective, there was like one called the Shoemaker or something like that, and it was like this old man who was basically running this, he was making shoes mm. in, in Brooklyn, just a little little shop. Um, I was like, this is so freaking cool. And I reached out to him and was like, hey, do you care if I use this idea, um, the filmmaker? And he was like, yeah, just make it your own. I was like, sweet. So that's where that's where the name Made man Mankato came from. And I wanted to figure out a way to make, and there were video production companies in the area and I don't know the names of any of them, but they were all, in my opinion, just horrible. It was like just dated video, uh, stuff people were doing in the early 2000s, 90s, like kind of embarrassing. And I was like, man, and it sounds, it's, I don't know, it sounds I don't know how this sounds, but it just, I felt bad for the businesses in the area. I was like, come on, we can do better than this. And I just, I had a vision in my head and I, there was a lot of being new to the area. I was kind of still in that honeymoon phase with Mankato, even though I had been here for four years at the time. I was still exploring, still learning about the area, still meeting people. Um, I just saw all these cool businesses on Riverfront, you know, the dork den, like, i don't know what it is but it's cool it's a cool cool name um you know salvage sisters there was the coffee hag there was um those were kind of the main ones There was the Mankato brewery mm-hmm. all those businesses were just like cool to me because they were they kind of had that you know grassroots kind of vibe like just starting from scratch and um, nicolette county bike right uh uh yeah Nicolet bike shop Nicollet yep, Bike. Yep. that's what i mean um Sorry, go ahead. no. Say? I was
1: just going to say. I think out of the ones that I remember, at least all of them are still around, except for Indigo, right?
0: Indigo, Natural Pathways. Um, oh, Natural Pathways. Yeah, okay. I feel like that. I don't remember it. that one. Yeah, Bent River Outfitters still here. Um, we did them, yep. um, but yeah. So the idea was, I want to make. I want to start making. I want to start a new video production company. But what I knew it would take to produce, I knew nobody in the area would pay for it. It just would have been too expensive. And even for today's standards, they, they probably would have been, you know, starting at like $2,000, $2,500 to produce one of these things that I had in my head. So I was like, well, what if I just do a couple for free just to kind of build a portfolio? And I had a buddy that I was working with at Verizon who did audio production. And we were like, let's, let's just start this. You can do audio. And, um, yeah. So we reached out to the dork den and pitched the idea. And I, and, it was pretty quick while we were filming dork then that i started thinking oh this this is really cool i really like this i really like their story and i had never done a documentary before but these were like essentially mini documentaries um very quick three to five minutes long and yeah i just for some reason i had kind of a knack for how to put it together and make it interesting and um yeah, and I also decided to I'm going to only use local or regional music. So we reached out to The Last Revel at that time and they were still fairly new at the time. Um I think probably within the last year or two um of of doing that, so we used a few of their songs in their first EP. And um yeah, and we we made our first thing and and the idea was, well, let's so halfway through that, we were like, let's do one of these. Let's do let's do a couple more of these. And the idea was we we're going to do a screening of the documentary for the the client, the subject, at their location. We were going to have making a party, so we were like, we bu- I bought a projector and a screen, and um, we we're like, yeah, let's let's make this a big deal. We reached out to the Free Press; they did an article about it, like local documentary crew, something or other about a, the dork. den. and um, yeah, like twenty people showed up. And yeah, we did the screening, and it was a hit. And then after that screening, three different people who were uh, either either currently still filmmaking students or former filmmaking students, actually four people came up and said we want to be a part of this. Hmm. And literally the next day we were all meeting up at uh, the wine or coffee hag, I think, and then, yeah, the coffee hag, and talking about what that might look like. And long story short, we decided, we would do one free documentary every single month for 12 months straight. And it would be free of charge to the business. The only condition is that they had to agree to host a screening of the of their documentary at the at the beginning of the following month when we release it. And, uh, yeah, we did 12 of them every single month. We, At any given time, we had nine different people um, working on it together. The second one we did was Mankato Brewery, and that was probably the biggest. There was probably close to 100 people there. Damn. Kind of well, it was them. a really,
1: really cool um, series because of a, a number of reasons. Number one, it elevated the quality of work in Mankato, and I yeah. really think it did. Um, but number two, it was so community-focused. Mm-hmm. And I think about some of the current efforts that are underway or not underway depending on how you want to look at it as far as marketing the community and i think that you could put that up there as a shining example of what could be done to try and promote uh, a community with such a robust economy and so many cool stories and cool business owners that are moving and shaking and trying to make things happen and if that was to happen today i think it would be just as popular if not more popular than it was back when you did it but you really set a trend by doing that so Uh i have to commend you for thanks
0: that. I, I again i think the hardest part was that it was it was free and what happened was at the end of that at the end of that 12 months we were just exhausted and burnt i mean you've been on video productions oh yeah it's work imagine not having the kind of equipment we have now these days yep but doing it every single month yep. for 12 months straight and nobody's being paid for it yeah no. and you're trying to wrangle business owners who are excited about it but are trying to run a business at the same time yeah you know um it was, it was tough, and it burned me out, and I basically just, gave, I was like, I'm not doing video anymore. I'm done with it until I met you guys. And then I that's when, to full circle, I was like, I do want to get back into video again, just different. Yep. And I revived the name Made in Mankato, started Made in Mankato, Made in Mankato LLC. And my, my vision was to recreate not the documentary thing of Made in Mankato, but pr- provide a... Because because by then, by the time we all we met, there were other video production companies who were doing yep. better work. Yep. Um, True facade came on the came on the scene at some point. Um, I think they were probably around the same time. Made in Mankato was actually, I don't remember. And then Social Butterfly came on. Uh, what was the Stone Path Studio or no?
1: Yeah. So there was Sunstone Creative, Sunstone, yes. which was Andy Lindquist, and then Stone Path Studios, which is Bethany Lutheran yep. Colleges, kind of like separate from the college. Video production company right.
0: But but my point is Is there were better yeah. Video production companies So I was like I don't want to do that again But I want to create something That makes Like Local businesses Create Short form Videos for, To market their businesses And that's where the That's where the studio Came into play Yeah So Grateful for it Yeah It all worked out yeah. I
2: think it's sweet And as I'm hearing you talk about that The history of Made Mankato Jordan uh, Is there maybe possibly A Made Mankato uh, Round two or maybe uh part 2. I'll or, let uh, you answer. I want to hear what you were going <laughs> to because <laughs> well I I, I I think I mean obviously selfishly as a as a local business owner it'd be it'd be great for people to know the history of our business but there are a ton of businesses locally that I would love to learn about more, get the deep roots on and obviously with this podcast we do some of that already Wes, but um I think some sort of video format like that like you guys were doing um could really have a place now, just like you mentioned, Wes, maybe more now than even before when you did it because of the fact people are more into, uh, watching videos, short form stories and things like that. Yeah.
1: Well, that's a big part of the reason why I framed it that way is because as you were going through some of the history, I just couldn't help but think about how some of the current efforts that are underway to promote us as a community and as a region are, almost sad in comparison to even that, which that wasn't the goal of it. But yet, if you look at it, is probably a perfect example of what could or should be done. So it would be really cool to talk to folks, you know, whether it's either at Visit Mankato or the city or even just a private business like ourselves and see if there isn't some way to make that take legs. It obviously has to be paid. Uh, It can't be free again because... Not everyone's as generous as you, Jordan, but.
0: Well, so let me just talk to that for a second because, and I'll be the first to admit, I think it, the whole experience, uh, I appreciate you saying I was generous and everything, but like, there, you know, obviously there was motivation. I wanted to start a business. Right. And I, but I also wanted to do these for free. I was like thoroughly enjoying it. I loved feeling like I was contributing to the community in, in a way. I, I loved like getting to know all these business owners and becoming lifelong friends with a lot of them. And yeah. You know, but I will say it did bring out something in me that I didn't like. And that's like I became kind of bitter towards the community because, you know, the the in the and these are more- became
1: an expectation. It wasn't it wasn't just probably and I'm projecting, but I sure. think from our conversations, it's not just the folks that were probably taking advantage of you while you were doing it, but there was also people coming to you and saying, do mine and do it for free, yeah. even after Maiden Mancato was done.
0: Exactly. So that's kind of where I was getting at. So what would happen is while we were doing that, everybody was like, oh, well, do, do my business, do my business. And it's like, oh, we have kind of a criteria. And it's, it was pretty much just whatever I'm interested <laughs> in. <laughs> um, so sorry out there. if you're, ah, just,
2: you're you're doing the work and you're not charging for it. You right, can choose who you right, want to yeah, highlight. I just, I,
0: you know, I'm not going to make something... It, like for free especially, invest all this time and energy into it if I'm not passionate. passionate about it. And I Okay, I also want to be sure that I give credit to everybody else that was on it because I the only one that I produced those 12 months by myself with the help of my audio buddy, Ryan, was the first one, Dork Den. Uh, everybody that came on the team after that, basically everybody got a chance to produce their own um, at some point, like the, some of the other team members. I was in Ireland and Switzerland while some of them were producing the one for Mom and Pop's and Caleb, who now works at the Bolt and the Menk, um, did the one for Coffee Hack. And he also kind of spearheaded the one for Natural Pathways, but I was kind of, like, shadowing him the whole time. Um, so I just want to make sure I give credit to all the people that also worked on it. Um, Ty was part of it, too, but he didn't do anything. <laughs> Matthias. <laughs> uh, yeah, nothing new there. <laughs> um, so that's actually how I met him as well. But anyway... Um, what I was getting at is after that was done, I was burned out and people were still reaching out to me, asking me to do free videos. And it's like, no, like you're missing the point that that's, that's not what this was. And what eventually ended up happening is I did start becoming bitter because I would, it's not that I was asking for favors for anybody, but people, and I'm not going to say any names people would reach out to me and dangle carrots in front of me. Oh, we'll do this and that for you. If you know, and they'd, I don't know. I just started feeling like I was being kind of taken advantage of.
1: On that same vein, it's interesting. You said it and you said it that way. Um, I was having a conversation probably a
0: year ago with
1: Honey Berg is her name. She's a VP of, uh, business and ag lending down at Profinium now, but she's had a lot of roles throughout her time. And she said something similar. She was talking about the kind of the entrepreneurial startup community within Mankato. And she said, um, we love to find that young person that's doing something cool and champion them and push them and try and get them to do something even bigger than whatever they're starting at. And that happens 100% of the time. And then as soon as we've done that for about two years, year or two with that particular person, we have no problem walking away and moving on to the next shiny thing. And there's that's just the continual ecosystem of how we operate. And there's no long-term Trajectory for how we're setting up businesses or ventures for success, and that's yeah. a problem.
2: I want to know just for, people can find them, right? Still, mm-hmm. if you that's what I was going to ask, too, how do people where do they go? Is it They're YouTube? Still on YouTube, yeah, YouTube? Still okay, on YouTube, so yeah. made in Mankato, yep. Um, and you can go on YouTube and check out the videos. Uh, I know I haven't um seen all of them, I've seen a handful. Uh, but Jamie, Jamie,
0: thanks a lot, Matthias. Jamie, yeah. Jamie, pull, hey, pull up uh, the video. I've, I've, I've
2: watched. <laughs> Some, though. <laughs> Matthias hasn't listened That's to true. any of That's the true. episodes. So, yeah.
1: I would say, personally, one of my favorites was the Coffee Hag, because I was such a big fan of the Coffee Hag when mm-hmm. I was younger. I spent a lot of time there. And then I knew uh, the Peas. so Mankato mm-hmm. Brewery was uh, impactful for me. And the Dork Den was also not even... I've never actually been to the Dork Den. I haven't either. Yeah. Just to be honest, I never have. But I something about the feeling of that one was really cool.
2: Yeah. So. I didn't know, well, and I haven't been to the Dorkton either. I just realized recently it, it had, like, you know, comic books and games and yeah. all that, you know, kind of cool things. We have two of those. There's another one that's down on
1: South Front Street now. I don't know what the heck the name of it is, but there's two, like, Pulp? comic book gaming, yeah, Pulp Fiction or Pulp, Pulp something.
2: Books, Pulp Comics something, Books and it's Comics. It's
1: impressive that Mankato has uh, the demand to kind of, and maybe it's, Different. I don't, I, again, I've never been in either one. Look, it's been
0: in business over 10 years. Yeah. I don't know about the pulp one, but yeah. dark then at least. That's just right. impressive to me. And they've expanded. And I believe they also had a location in New Alm as well.
1: One of the things that we left out was that this is definitely. Way far from your first podcast, you had a really popular podcast back in the day that you no longer do, but it was, yeah. uh, go ahead and talk about it.
0: You don't remember what it was. I don't, but I remember you <laughs> interviewed, I remember he <laughs> interviewed
1: someone at the White House high up and went yeah. up and do, did a tour up there. So yeah. it was Instagram related, wasn't so,
0: it? So yeah, it was, the, the podcast was called Hashtagged. It was in, God, when was Obama in office? The year before, Eight. it was 2016 when he got yeah. out, right? Yeah. Got out. It was either 2014 yeah. or 2015. It was after Made in Mankato because I was looking for a new project to do. Okay. And I was starting to get really into podcasts at the time, and I was like, I want to do my own. I had a background in audio engineering. That's what I went to school for. Where'd you go to school for <clears> I went to there was a well, I say school. It's not like it was more like a it was called the recording workshop. It was a five week program. It was twenty four seven. So like we would have classes all day and all night and you
2: Saturday's all right. National all day on American the university.
0: Five, five, five 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 straight weeks. And um I was haven't
1: thought of that jingle for a long time. I'm sorry, sure <laughs> <Never heard laughs> that of talk about totally, good jingles, right? Totally, totally derailed me. So that was Wes. that
0: was in ninety eight before like the, the, big, the big draw for the school was they had a CD burner. It mm. was freaking awesome. Wow. Yeah. So that was like, the, to give you an idea, that was technology at the time. And then after that, I went and worked at a commercial studio from 1998 through 2000. And that's when I learned video and Photoshop and pretty much all the stuff that led me to where I'm at now. I lived in a cabin for five straight weeks. A cabin? A cabin in the woods. Is that real? It's this totally happened. It seems I like told totally, you about
1: this? Well, you told me that you went through this intensive program, but I didn't realize it was in a cabin. That seems like strange.
0: No, no, no. I lived in a cabin in the woods. So, so the the school. Was this when you were in a gang? No, that was before
2: the Curly Crips. <laughs> no. what, what, we'll get into that so, in a minute. Okay. All right.
0: So there. So it was called the recording. It's still there. It's called the recording workshop. It's in Chillicothe, Ohio, which is Ohio's first capital. Okay. Chillicothe. What do you say? It? Yeah, Chillicothe. It's near. It's near. It's near uh, Ohio University, probably within about an hour from Ohio. Not Ohio State. Ohio University. Good distinction. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, it was five weeks, and the the school was on in the middle of a road, or you know, <laughs> on a road. <laughs> this is sounding like I am making it up. The insurance, in the insurance was
2: just through the roof the at school, that the university. The school
0: was in a road. We had like was on on a road, just a random road in the middle of nowhere, and then across the street was a forest on a big hill, and there was like seven or eight cabins, and I lived in one of the cabins at the top of the hill with five other guys. You from, chopped
1: your own wood. and
0: you We broke, did chop our own wood, actually. You broke back mountain, did, didn't yes, you? Yes, they did. I was <laughs> we just did. thinking the same thing. Five other guys. <laughs> no, but but funny funny aside, so just imagine this. Like, it was oh, probably we are. A, 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 <laughs> the, the cabin was probably as big as the studio. Okay. There were one, two, oh. three sets of bunk beds and a picnic table in the middle of the room and a little kitchenette and a bathroom. But I, I I learned a lot, I learned a lot being there. Anyway, so
1: you went to that school. That was my derail question. Yeah. But we were really talking about the podcast you started.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Hashtag. So I, I had an audio engineering background. That's where that all came from. Right. Started a podcast called Hashtag, and the, the the idea. So what was happening is Instagram was becoming more and more popular, and I think in 2012, maybe 2013, it had just come on Android phones. And before that, it was only on iPhones. And at the time, I used Android, believe it or not. Cool. And um, so I could never have Instagram. So once I got on it, I was like, oh, this is sweet. And I was doing a lot of, like, landscape photography and posting on Instagram. And, you know, in, becoming an Instagram influencer at the time was, like, hard work, kind of. Um, and I wanted to interview inter- Instagram influencers and find out, essentially, their story and how they did it. It was basically kind of a Get Deep podcast, but for Instagram influencers. So it wasn't so much about strategy. A little bit was, but it was more about their story. And um, I did 125 episodes. Damn. Yeah. Episode. Over over how many years? Uh, over the course. It was a weekly podcast. So however long that so lasts. So a little over two years. Yeah. And then halfway through that, I started one called Hashtag Daily, Ooh. which lasted probably, I don't know, 60 episodes maybe. Yeah where literally every single day there was a new podcast critique, like people would submit from the Instagram community would submit photos and I would bring a guest on or i would do by myself and we would critique people's photos live. live.
2: Wow. Yeah. So in this, uh, audio and just audio, just Just
1: audio. audio? Okay. So performance wise, which one was bigger, more successful hashtag or hashtag daily?
0: Hashtag daily would have been had I had the, the energy and capacity. I wasn't making money off of these. Um, it was more just because I was passionate about it and it was a personal project and sure. I just enjoyed it. I met a lot of people, made a lot of friends, still good friends with people these days, made a lot of connections across mm-hmm. the, the industry. Um, yeah. So,
1: so talk about the white house photographer.
0: So the, t- so believe it or not, like when I first started this, I reached out to like, I don't know, hundred people and the first person to respond was Pete Souza, who was Obama's chief, chief white house, chief white house photographer uh, Pete Souza is a great guy. Um, he's regardless of your politics, uh, just a really nice guy, famous photographer. And he made some of the most famous presidential photos in history. Like most, when you picture a photo of Obama, most likely Pete Souza took it. Hmm. Um, he was with Obama literally 24 seven for the most part. And overnights he was on call. Um, he's the guy like have you ever seen the famous White House like the situation room photo when they killed o- Osama bin Laden. Yep. Yeah, he was he took that. Um, so I interviewed that guy. So did
1: he have to have top secret clearance? He did. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. He, had, he had
0: like some of the top. I mean, he couldn't get like he had to leave when there was classified things happening. Hmm. But he had clearance for things like the Osama bin Laden situation like he couldn't he, he probably didn't know he, he was a he the way he worded it. He was just he was kind of a fly on the wall with full access. Yeah.
2: I, I wonder, I mean, you could probably almost put noise canceling headphones on a guy like that, right? When you think of the photographer, like he would not need to hear, right? He's just using his eyes to take these photos. So if he was in classified rooms or classified situations, instead of eliminating him out of there, I wonder if he ever, did he ever talk to you about that? Like putting uh, in earbuds or they like no. couldn't hear the conversation because no. he doesn't
0: really need to hear, right? No, it didn't matter. Like, when when you're at that level of clearance, you go through all kinds of background check. excuse me, evaluations, um, everything. They know who you are, they know where you live. Yeah, and he had actually met Obama because um, when he was working for a newspaper at the time, and he had done a story on this rising star, this black senator.
1: Well, that's what I was going to ask, is how does someone get selected for that particular job? Because I think as a photographer, if you're covering politics, or even if you're just a photographer in general, that's got to be one of the top right the pinnacle yeah so how do you how do you get that job
0: well for him it was he had the relationship through the newspaper when he did the story he followed obama before anybody knew him like there's photos of obama walking around and like nobody knows who he is and um
1: well that was most people because his presidential yeah. run kind of came out of nowhere I and mean, he was really a quiet senator as far as a candidate yeah. he did not make waves which was intentional as far as the obama strategy in yep. general it was like let's not get into anything controversial because we want to run yep in the future.
0: And so. another reason this Pete Susan was such a big deal is because he was the first presidential f- photographer to come on the scene when Instagram became a thing. Makes sense. Um, what year do you
1: remember? What year was Instagram bought by Facebook?
0: I believe it was 2012.
1: Okay. So it was already bought by the time that you were doing the podcast.
0: May not have been that long ago, but I, I believe so. I, I, I don't, it was I don't very remember.
1: shortly after it became popular. Facebook's like,
0: "Yep, we're buying that." Yeah, I believe it was they, 2012.
1: They bought it for a little over a billion dollars, and everyone was like, "Oh, you overpaid!" And yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. amazing how cheaply they actually got it.
0: But the the, but the majority of the video or the interview rather was about um, what it was like to be a White House photographer, the chief White House photographer, the responsibility that came with that, and that so. The whole, what I was getting at is I interviewed like 100 people, or I'm sorry, I emailed like 100 people, and he was literally the first person to respond saying, sure, I'll do it. And then um, there was some coordination with uh, the White House staff on it, and they had to review the episode before I published it. Yeah, so that was, uh, that was cool. And then what happened from there is the White House was doing, you know, obviously the social media was one of his big strategies, and one of the things they were doing is they were, Bring they're doing Insta meets, which was essentially people within the Instagram community would come to the White House and they would get an exclusive tour of the White House where they could come and take photos and post it and everything. And I got um, I asked Pete. I had him in my phone. We were texting back and forth from time to time. No big deal. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, I texted him. I was like, Hey, is can, do you think um, I could you could kind of push my name up for this? Um, Instant meet thing and he said um, and he wasn't super talkative guy he's like he's like just submit your information I'll see what I can do and then um, yeah and I did and they had to run a background check and yeah I got I got in there and then when I got to the White House um, saw Pete met him in person. it's cool and then we did the tour. now it was the normal tour but we had more access. Uh, we had a little bit longer we could take pictures we could kind of roam freely.
1: But was there anything in particular that you got to see that was outside of the public domain that was, you know, special? Um, do you get to get an Instagram of like Obama's toilet or
0: no, we, we only got to go in the <laughs> East wing. So when you first walk, I'm not sure how familiar you are with the layout of the white house. I happen to have, so I'm a huge fan of the West wing, the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I've watched it like nine times through. I absolutely love that show. I love what it was about. The yeah, not necessarily the politics of it, but the, just the, what, what people who actually care in the government, like what, what it might be like anyway. So I kind of had this fascination with the White House, and I was disappointed that the White House wasn't laid out the way it was in the West Wing. So there's that. Um, but some of the things, I would say, not so much things I got to see, but, like, I got so much extra time that I could look at details that maybe people on the normal tour wouldn't, wouldn't notice. Like, I got to spend, like, a couple minutes all by myself in the Big East Room, which is where they have a lot of the concerts and, um, like, large ceremonies um the cross hall which is the the hall with the long red carpet mm-hmm. where they usually come oh, out and yeah. make important messages yeah. so i got to walk through there by myself and, cool um, bigger
2: than you thought smaller than no, you thought i
0: think a appropriate size okay maybe a little bigger um the, the 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 state dining room i think where there's like a famous lincoln portrait seeing all the presidential portraits is really cool um you know the blue room, which is like a, a blue oval room. That's like um, what they modeled the Oval Office after.
1: Did you go to the map room or the Oval uh, Room? Either not or the or...
0: map room because that's outside. That's on the east, uh, the uh, the West Wing. Oh, okay. I believe. You couldn't do anything in the West Wing. No, no, no. Cool. It was all in the East Wing, but because the West Wing is mostly administrative, mm-hmm. um, and we couldn't go up to the residence. So sure. it was basically we're we were on the the main floor and the lower floor. So we got to go into the like the China room and all these other rooms. We didn't go in the map room, but um, yeah, it, was, it was really cool and being in there just feeling all the history. We got to walk down like the colonnade, which is really cool and see the, the Rose Garden. and the.
1: I can't uh, remember where I heard this, but there was someone that was just, I, I don't remember, but what I do know is, is that Washington, D.C. was legitimately built in a way that was supposed to impress foreign dignitaries. Like, overall, the entire city, but especially...
0: That's, it's built with a... in a a pentagram yeah there's a lot of conspiracy theories about that right yeah
1: yep Yep. well i just know that it's it the entire city is supposed to be like a giant showcase of look how it
0: is impressive we are uh it's an impressive city too i mean if if you're into architecture and stuff like that
1: which i think is neat yeah why not why shouldn't we (laughs) right it is (laughs) so So. it's cool that you got to experience a little deeper version of that
0: uh, i got deep
2: yeah you got deep for sure 120 episodes You said.
0: About 100, yeah, 120, 125, something like that,
2: yeah. Um, Not active with that anymore?
0: No, I have another podcast that I do. It's behind a paywall. I have, like, people within the architectural and real estate photography community that...
1: The um, Open Book Club.
0: Yeah. It's called the Open Book Club. Okay. And what that is, essentially, I share... pretty much everything about my business, everything that I'm doing, uh, what I've gone through, like highs, lows. I'm, I, you know, I obviously moved across the country, so I'm sharing what it's like to start from scratch. Um, you know, uh, things I'm doing to market myself. Um, I'm sharing like actual phone calls that I'm having with like potential clients. Um, Mm -hmm. any, like all that stuff just to help people in the community. So,
1: yeah, it's a very cool uh, model, and I've actually been meaning to subscribe. It's just been kind of chaotic on my end, but I know yeah,
0: it's, it's, it's hard to uh,
1: <laughs> carve out time. But I, I I feel like Matthias in that regard. Yeah. We keep giving our friend Matthias shit for the rest of you in the audience. Uh, Matthias is a good friend of all of ours, and he doesn't listen to this podcast. And right now, I'm going to take this moment to look into the camera and tell you, if you are watching, it's about damn
0: time. I keep on forgetting I can look and talk right into that camera. (laughs) Hi, friends.
1: First episode with video. But um, so how's that going, though? How's the open book? Because I would feel like that's that's a unique experience to a certain extent because you're in a very interesting, vulnerable spot as far as you've moved cross-country. You're basically starting from scratch as far as your business is concerned. I mean, yeah, you still have some clients in the Midwest, but you have to fly back for those. So if you're doing exclusively business in that region, which I know you're not exclusive, but you know, if that's the, the bread and butter, that's what you, you're starting over. So
0: yeah, it is starting over. I mean, I'm literally starting a real estate photography business in North Carolina from scratch. Why
1: the hell did you do that? By the
0: way, do what
1: make the move. We should talk about that.
0: I was falling in love with you. I had to escape. <laughs> what do you expect? There's and the, the truth comes we out We all
2: heard it. Everybody falls in love with West eventually. Yeah. And he's, he plays hard to get, and then he gets closer to you, and then he's hard to get again. I don't know. He plays the games.
0: I, I, I don't know how. I'm still processing it. To be honest with you, I haven't True. really, I haven't really spent much time formulating a real answer. But like, my raw, unfiltered emotional response is that like I just felt like I had done all I could here, with what I wanted to do.
1: You'd outgrown it.
0: Not even that. I don't want to say that I I've, I'd I've, I've outgrown it. It's that what I want to do, Mankato isn't keeping up with. Sure. Like so, I want to photograph architecture, and I shouldn't even say Mankato, but Minnesota as a whole isn't keeping up with. Like, my main thing I wanted to do is fo- photograph architecture, and specifically commercial res- or commercial architecture, but some residential. And you know, there's not a ton. I mean, it's. It, it's, it's hard to describe to people who aren't in the commercial architecture space, but there isn't a ton happening in Minnesota as a whole. There, there is, there's always projects going up and they're all yeah. over the place, but there's a ton of photographers and most firms have their go to photographers. It's not, it's not like it, it, it took, look, put it this way, you know, Wes, I've, I've focused like probably three years trying to build this architecture photography business. It was like just now before I moved, starting to like get some regular clientele. I was starting to work with ISG a little bit, um, a couple firms in the cities, uh, but it just, you know.
1: It was a very slow build. While Very you were in Mankato. And it seems like at first it wasn't exactly easy, but it seems like you're starting to gain traction already in the Nashville market, even though you technically don't even live in the Nashville yeah, market. Literally anymore,
0: two so. weeks, two weeks after moving to Nashville, mm-hmm. I had like my highest paying commercial architecture shoot ever for one of the top. Uh, well, so it was for Alliance Bernstein, who's a global financial firm. They moved their headquarters from New York, uh, near wall street down to Nashville huge deal. Yeah. These photos were published literally everywhere, every business journal, all this other stuff because it was such a big deal. But within 2 weeks of moving down there I already had that. And so
1: you don't like to say it this way, but I'm going to say it again. You did genuinely kind of outgrow Mankato for what you're doing.
0: For what I wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. But but again, I don't look at it so much as I outgrew it because I'm I am who I am. I just I just it was just the work that I wanted to do wasn't here. Sure. You know, so it's it's just more that Mankato wasn't keeping up with what I needed.
2: You're a visionary, Jordan. Would <laughs> you, it, would you say that? that? Mean? I mean, we've talked about other people in this podcast being, you know, what's their, their superpower or their strength. And I'd be curious to know what you think yours is. But from my perspective and what I think, I feel you're a visionary. You're seeing a visionary to me, correct me if I'm wrong, somebody who can see the vision in the future. You know, somebody who can see the trends coming, who can see beyond just the comfortable right here, the line in front of it, which I don't think most people can do, including myself a lot of times, but you're seeing like the next things ahead. It seems like that's kind of a, um, a theme in your life, um, which comes from boredom a little bit, which comes from not being content and maybe some other things, but I think that's your I will, strength. I will say that
0: opinion. I will say if visionary is the word I would, I would say, yeah, I think, I think that's kind of what I, am what cause I have talked to you several times. Like I would rather be a creative director of something and just like I, I don't know, I, I love sitting around and talking about ideas, even if they're bad ideas. Mm-hmm.
1: It's what you and I do best.
0: It's what yeah, it is. It's literally like our love language. Yeah. And like Cute. love language. Oh, they're they go. they're
2: touching. <laughs> they're, touching. <laughs> they're holding hands.
0: Um no, but like I could sit around for hours. I could sit around for an entire day, just talk ideas and talk right. like big picture, like it's exciting. Even if it's something that's just way out of reach. So yeah, I guess I would Say that I'm not gonna call myself A visionary I think that sounds Super What do you call yourself I just I'm an ideas person I love ideas I just love exploring Okay um, that, I think that's how I would word it
1: I would've loved If you would've said Jordan Powers <laughs> 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 That would've been perfect But I, I uh, Yeah I don't know What's I, your um,
2: strength Jordan Powers just Everything <laughs> becomes Jordan Powers <laughs>
1: He has a
0: great fucking name, man. <laughs> JP, you could be a tree Jordan. and what That's tree would you be? I've I, I never sure. considered that, though. I, I don't. I, do? My name doesn't have a good ring to it. Oh, sure. It does. it does. It doesn't. It, it Powers Media. So when you take the words, Jordan and Powers, that they, they sound fine individually. But like when you put them together, they don't roll off the tongue. They don't have. Yeah, they, they, they don't, do. Uh, I don't know. I, maybe I'm looking at it from a different perspective, but. You know,
1: yeah. Stop being humble. It's a great name.
0: I'm not being humble. I'm being like I, well, I, I, I just can't Jordan, articulate.
1: I, no disrespect. Jordan's generic, but Powers is. is great, and so therefore a simple name with a powerful last name Powers is is a pretty name. Dang, dang
0: I think dang it's name. the hard R. I think that's what it is that that makes me think that it's not. It's the two hard R's in the Jordan and the Powers. Mm. I'm, I'm getting that granular about it. You are. What I'm sure. referring to. But.
2: Um, I mean, it's okay. That's the kind of guy you are, but he's not wrong. Wes isn't wrong. Like, it's yeah. at some point in the future with well, some other d- design wise.
1: Design wise, the J and the P, the way that you've even done up your logo. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's fun plays on designing yeah. J and P. So, yeah. but, um, but we anyways. digress. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's a weird <laughs> tangent to get <laughs> off know. on. That's so, we,
0: so we were talking about, um,
2: we were talking about, uh, the move. Arch- well, yeah. we were talking about we're talking about the move. Yes. Yeah. And also talking about architectural photography yeah. and how that I, I was just curious, uh, you know, you said you, you went and landed your biggest, your biggest client uh, within the first two weeks in Nashville, right? Yeah. Uh, something that you've been pushing and working on hard here. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really totally taken because again, you're a visionary in my opinion. So you get to a, a market that actually supports the vision that Jordan has And you land this, this client, but to the, again, lay person or the normal person like myself, um, what, what is this? What's the difference between this and residential, um, real estate photography that you were doing? Mm. Who's buying it? Who's it? Who's it for? That's exactly what
0: the main difference is. So it's, it's all about licensing. So in the photography world, it's all about licensing. Um, nobody actually buys photos. They buy a license to use the photos that you take. So in the real estate world, residential real estate, uh, a realtor hires you to photograph homes to use to market a listing to sell. And usually their contracts last six to 12 months or whatever. And that's pretty much as long as the photos are going to be used. So therefore, I can shoot quickly because I I only need it, it can be quick and dirty. I can do an entire shoot in, you know, half hour and give them like 25 photos. Cause it doesn't need to be dialed. It's not being shown for a portfolio. It's right. not going to be whatever. It's not representing the realtor. Um, whereas architectural photography is representing the architect and their work. And you know, those fo- like a realtor, a listing photo will lead to, you know, a couple thousand dollar commission, right? Whereas an architectural photo might lead to millions of dollars down the road, um, with, and commissions and architectural commissions, but also, when it comes to architectural photography, there's more clientele. There's architects, designers, product manufacturers, uh, business owners. Um, you name it, like
2: that are going to be shown in a magazine, that could TV, be that could be one of commercials. I would
0: say primarily, depending on the client, it's mostly for portfolio use to to get future business. Okay, but you know, I shot uh, one of the new buildings at South Dakota State University. Mm-hmm. The primary goal of that was to for award submission because um, the architects won awards because that leads to more business. Mm-hmm. So a, a big part of that assignment was making sure some of these certain details were highlighted. You know, whereas like the one that I shot for Alliance Bernstein was just to show off their new offices in Nashville and to show how diverse they are as a company. And because these photos were going to be used across the world, essentially um, mostly in press releases and a little bit on their website, but it was mostly for press release. So uh, you know, there's a use case for everything. I had a I had a product manufacturer who designed the this material, the went in the porticos of these Holiday Inn hotels in Tennessee. The most random thing ever. They contacted me to shoot the shoot these awnings. You know, so again, it's use case, and what are they going to be used for? And a lot more detail and time goes into there, a lot more planning, a lot more like it might take me anywhere from fifteen to sixty minutes to shoot one single photo and then wow. another hour or so to edit that one single photo.
2: Okay. So But it's like the that's gonna be the photo that's gonna be the bee's knees that's gonna be on yeah. you know, some national ad potentially. So potentially. obviously it takes time yeah. to, to get that right. And bonus, you don't have to run in any creepy dolls in a basement. That is absolutely <laughs> true. Although I have a feeling I have a feeling you liked some of those large life-size dolls in the basement. In I did I
0: didn't. Okay. I didn't. I wish I did. From What he you can say? I wish for the story's sake, I wish I, I wish I did, <laughs> but no. Uh, so anyway, that's, um, that's primarily it. And like I said, you know, it's not that architecture wasn't happening in, in Minnesota. It's just that it wasn't to the level that I wanted. Um, I just, <laughs> I wanted like these, I don't know. It's just.
1: So for folks that, uh, don't know you like I yep. do, uh, you moved from Mankato to Nashville. Yeah, um, the reason for that still haven't quite processed yet. But you moved from Nashville to Asheville, North Carolina.
0: Yeah. Well, okay. I'll say. Let me. Let me. Before I get there, so I moved from Minnesota because I. It, it's a, it was a career choice essentially. Like yeah. it's it that, was a that's ca- fair career and lifestyle. Like, yeah. obviously, it's it's it cold here. You know, you only have uh, four or five months of like comfortable weather, and then you know. I, I, I didn't want that anymore. It was it was tough to deal with. And, um, you know, but I told you, like, literally every single time I come back here, even now, it's like, I just, I love Minnesota. Like, I love, even it's been gray all week. It's been snowy, slushy. Like, I hate it. But I love it. I, I just, I love, I just, the minute I got here, I was like, oh, I'm I'm home. Like, I felt like comfortable, you know. So, it's like, I still love Minnesota. I still feel like a Minnesotan, even mm-hmm. though I'm not from here originally. Like, this is where I grew up you know essentially this is where i like my wife and i grew up here like we left our families and we you know we learned how to be adults here essentially you know so we had we had our kid here so it's like you know i made some of my best friends here you know so it's like now we're starting over we don't know anybody and it's like you know so anyway that that was my reason for for leaving really it was like it's growth essentially um makes sense so Nashville, we, we moved in Nashville. Long story short, the plan was to stay there. We we had a house. We were building a house, um, just one of those houses that every, are being built everywhere. We moved in. We sold it. Couldn't find another place to live. How
1: long were you there before you sold it?
0: Literally two months.
1: Which is amazing, wow. considering the fact that that was a house that was. Somewhat customized to what you were looking for.
0: You heard the story. I like, did. In depth. I, I mean, like, I understand why. And yeah, so we moved in, went and visited family in North Carolina, south of Asheville, and we liked the area. It's in the mountains, it's, um, it's chill there, mild climate. Um, so we're like, let's just go, let's just go there. Yeah. And I'll still work in Nashville to shoot the commercial stuff.
1: Well, and to be clear, move from what was the size of the house you had in Nashville?
0: Probably twenty six, twenty seven hundred 2700 square feet to a tiny home of uh, <laughs> how many square feet? Well, that I wasn't going to get into, but I will, I will, because people, I opened it. it. So people think it's kind of weird. A legit so we, tiny we, home? Yeah. So, <gasps> yeah. so, so, so the original house was meant to be about 600 square feet. We added a bedroom onto it because we have a daughter, seven year old daughter. And so we added a bedroom onto it. So it's more like, I don't know, seven or 800 square feet now. Sure. And then I've got a, I built, or I had built an eight by 10 shed in the back that I had finished and insulated and heated, I have HVAC out there and electric and so that's my office.
1: So it's close to eight or 900 if you count that yeah, as a room. Yeah,
0: so and look, my first house in Mankato on Marsh Street was maybe a thousand square feet. Sure. If that. So, so it's not too far. Look, the main difference living in the house we live in now, it's that there's not extra walking space. There's, the, there's an appropriate amount of walking space. And that's it.
1: I think most of the time, tiny living, tiny house living is, uh, is very doable. It's just a matter of your perspective.
0: Yeah. Look, we wanted to live a minimalist lifestyle is what it boils down to. Like we moved to Nashville and it's like, we're going to have to buy $10,000 of junk Mm -hmm. just to make it look like a house people live in. Yeah. Like it was stupid. Like we, so we sold everything we owned and we're like, let's just start over from scratch.
1: Well, and it's attractive not only from a financial standpoint to downsize to that, but also just a management and upkeep. You know, just
0: yeah,
2: all of that. So, I get it. How did it feel selling all that shit? It felt great. Freeing.
0: Yeah, I hate Facebook Marketplace. A <laughs> like I, I never want to do it again. So yeah, that's that's kind of what we're doing now, and that'll we'll, you know we'll probably stay here another year, another year or two, maybe.
1: Not to be pushy but you found you found you found that you can do business no matter where you live because you're I still do. doing quite a biz, bit of business in Nashville while you're living in Asheville. Yeah. So, hopefully, and this is me saying hopefully, uh that means that Minnesota might be back on the map.
0: I have told you, I would literally I would seriously consider having like a an apartment or something here. Mhm. An Airbnb where I could come.
1: I'm interested whenever. in doing that too.
0: So, um, but close to probably downtown somewhere, and you know, and the other thing is too, living in all the places we've lived this year. Like literally, we finally moved into this house in November. It's so like we've been nomads for 11 months, and you know, just carting our stuff around the country. And oh. so, like, you learn how to live anywhere and right. under any conditions, and. I don't know you 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 appreciate not having a bunch of stuff at some point so like yeah i do believe i could live anywhere and i don't know i don't think we'd ever actually move and reside back in minnesota full-time but you know i do see coming back here a lot
1: one final thing on my front that i wanted to touch on uh because you and i stayed close while this was happening is
0: very close
1: your dad mm. recently passed away.
0: Ah, uh, yes, he did.
1: And uh,
0: dang, you're gonna go there.
1: Whew. Well, I'll be fine. Uh, good. <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah. And the great part is, is you get to edit this, so you get to decide what you want to keep. But yeah. uh, I just, I, I, think it seemed like that was, uh, and and I think it is for most people. Really, you know, it had a, a big impact on you and your perspective. Yeah. So I'm, I just would like to kind of turn it over to you to say... What was that like? I so, mean, that was... You had some warning there. You knew yeah. so. so
0: part of it was... And I should actually add that part of the reason we also moved from Minnesota is because we were 14 hours from our families, like both my wife and, and my family. And doing that since 2009 became harder, and my dad was diagnosed with cancer, and my wife's dad had... I'm not... I you know, for his privacy, I'll just... You know, he had other issues happening, and we are like, this is getting... We we're missing like all the important family things, like get-togethers. Um, you know, we weren't there when he was diagnosed. It's just like you know, it's like you just, it's like what's what's the point? Am I here just like to hang out with my buddies and and make money and you know ha- have a career? It's like, it's like you know, everybody's there and it's like right. we're here. So it's like, okay, we could stay here. It'd be like a fourteen-hour drive with you know, the time zone and everything. Or like Nashville was only a six and a half hour drive. So that was manageable, better climate. So that was that was another reason for going to Nashville. Yeah. Um but yeah, he, he was diagnosed with uh it's a long story. Like we 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 thought it was original liver cancer, it ended up being esophageal cancer that spread to the liver and then yeah, we had him for about a year and almost a year and a half and then yeah, they came down to North Carolina to visit, and he was moving pretty slow, um, but still himself. And then, yeah, they went back, and two weeks later, he was really slowing down to where, like, things were obviously changing. And then, yeah, we he went to the hospital, and then what, what ended up happening was it had spread to his brain. And, uh, yeah, so, like, his cognitive function was basically gone. And we brought him back home, and he went on another – Gosh. We thought it was going to be a couple days. He ended up sticking around for probably 10 or 12 more days.
1: And if I remember right, that was not pleasant necessarily. I mean, some of it was pretty all over the place as far as how he was.
0: For the most part, it was all very peaceful. There was one situation that, like, was really hard to deal with where, like, he had a seizure that lasted about an hour. Yeah. And... We didn't know what to do. We weren't expecting it. It was really hard, um, and we thought that would have killed him. But no, he yeah. stuck around for another week, <laughs> week or so. I, you know, my, the the thing is, what's what's good about my family is, you know, my my dad's side of the family is Irish, so um, we're all we all have a very good sense of humor, um, even with awkward situations like that. Like we were pretty much, even though he wasn't like responding to us or anything, we joked the entire time, you know, it's like
1: it's kind of your coping mechanism. Even, in yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely is. You know, yeah. so
0: like, um, you know, he, you know, we, we'd made fun, make fun of each other a lot. And it was, you know, so, so that was our way of coping and it, and it worked out well. And, you know, fortunately my sister lives in San Francisco. My brother lives in Toledo. Um, my mom, Losing Toledo obviously. So we were all um we all got to be there. So yeah, it was uh it was tough and it's still one of those things um that you think about every single day, but it's not like uh it's not always sad, you know. It's more just kind of you just kinda of remember for a second and then it's like yeah. you know. So yeah, it's and everybody has a different relationship with their with their parents, like Mine was, it wasn't, I don't want to say rocky, but like kind of distant as I grew up um, and became a teenager and went through my rebellion st- stuff. I never like really got too close, except for, like since we moved to Minnesota, we started all getting a lot closer because of that distance. So, so yeah. How old was your pops? 76.
2: 76.
0: Yeah.
2: What was your favorite thing about your dad?
0: You know, I didn't realize it until all this was happening, um, but you know i've had the thoughts before but it's like I, I never really registered how humble he was like until i start like as he was like dying and even after he died i started like all these memories started flushing of things he would had said over the years i remember there's one memory i have where i was talking like they were asking about my new job as a supervisor and the way i worded it i was saying there's 12 people under me cuz i was talking about the org chart but I was like, I've got a supervisor above him as a, or I've got a manager above him as a director, and b- under me I've got twelve people. And he got pissed, and he was like, Don't you ever say anybody's under you, like, like that, like he, like l- actual pissed, um, and like to where like he wouldn't even talk to me like for the rest of the night because he was just di- so disappointed that like I came off as like
2: pretentious, yeah, kind of cocky, yeah, arrogant, like like, like oh I'm
0: better than them. So things like that, um, you know, just things he's said over the years just makes me realize how humble he was. Like, they never had a lot of money. The, you know, they uh, they lived comfortably on Social Security for the last few years um, just because they didn't have an, a – they didn't live a – they didn't you – know, we didn't think of them as poor. They traveled. They did all the things. They just didn't li- live above their means. And, um, you know – Just in the end, it's like you kind of, and it's kind of cliche. You hear it all the time, but it's like all that really matters is your family and whatever. And it's like, well, that's that's what he had left in the end. Like it was us surrounding him. He had some of his buddies he grew up with come, and they were telling stories about him when he was growing up. And you know, my aunt and uncle, or I'm sorry, my my aunt, my cousins all came over, and everybody. Who was important to him got to say goodbye. You know what I mean? It's like he yeah. went out exactly how he wanted to. Right. It wasn't fancy. It wasn't, you know, whatever, but like, I don't know. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess, I guess humble, the humility. And it made me realize that I'm not a humble person. Like, I can be. And I, I you know, you can probably tell like in this conversation, and maybe, maybe you've noticed in the past, like I've been really trying to make an effort to be a more humble person, like, I would pride myself a lot in success that I found, and, um, you know, not necessarily the amount of money i had made in the, over the years, but just, like, the things that I've accomplished, you know, and, like, this whole experience is, like, wow, what's, what's a matter, like, I was becoming kind of distant with my own family, because I was so focused on working, like, I was only seeing my daughter and my wife, like, an hour a day, you know, and it's still, just because we've been moving a lot and there's been a lot of moving pieces, it's still not quite there, but it's like, I'm realizing it's like, look, my family is all that really matters. Right. You know? So anyway,
2: at the yeah. end of the day, that is what yeah. matters.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Well, I appreciate you sharing the story about your dad. Thanks. Uh, we have similar experiences, which I'll share with you more later, but uh, my father also passed away from esophageal cancer. Really? Yes. And you don't hear it very often because most people think of, Uh, you know, it's it's lung cancer or it's uh, prostate cancer, you know, just other things. But most people don't, you know, of esophageal cancer as being a thing. Uh, I'm not sure when your father, you know, when he was diagnosed, what stage he was at, but I'm assuming three or four. Relate.
0: I think three, yeah, because they they found it in his liver originally, and then they did a endoscopy to make sure that um to make sure that nothing had spread to his esophagus and they, sure. they found it. Yeah. And I, I could even be wrong. It might've been both. He had both or sure. something, both liver and esophagus. Was he a smoker as well? He was, yeah. he was, but they said it wasn't caused by that.
2: It's interesting. My, uh, uh, situation too, not to, you know, no, it's s- steal the story by any means, just to relate a little bit to you as well. My, my father was a smoker. He was 52 mm. when he passed away. Um, and he was a smoker for a large portion of his life. And also, uh, not much of a drinker, to be honest. Early days, sure, when he was really young, but not much of a drinker. It was actually acid reflux was the thing that caused him to have something called a Barrett's esophagus yeah. and then lead, which is a precursor to, you know, um, esophageal cancer or whatnot. So he had that. He struggled with um, acid reflux a large portion of his life and didn't do anything about it really besides drinking a glass of milk and throwing down some bread and, and sitting up. Um yeah because a lot of times I remember early days coming home from the bars uh, and I think I shared this in our podcast together, Wes, in, in uh, episode number one. Um, I'd come home from the bars and I lived with him for a short period of time and he'd be like up and he'd be like 2.30 in the morning, you know, and I'd be like, what the hell are you doing up, dad? And I just couldn't sleep. And thinking back on it, him sitting in that recliner and that chair in that town home that he, that he uh, rented uh, at the time, um, I think he was struggling from acid reflux and he'd have the thing of milk next to him and if you lay down if anybody who's ever had acid reflux or heartburn kind of situations you lay down all that acid starts to go up in your throat and yeah. it causes problems so you know psa to those who may be struggling with that honestly like get that shit taken care of because it can lead to worse things it essentially eroded his esophagus and led to cancerous cells and and he was uh diagnosed at stage four so mm. by that point it was it was pretty crazy and it spread to his liver into his bones, into his lymph nodes, into his brain, and at that point, um, that was that was pretty much a, a very very hard uphill battle. Yeah. Uh, so I feel for you. It's not a. It's not a. How uh, long
0: ago was that? Two thousand. How, how, how old were you?
2: Uh, I was twenty two. Um, yeah, twenty uh, tw- two. Two thousand. We found out in the summer. or I'm sorry. The um, holiday season. December of 2006 He passed away June of 2007 so a Very quick thing. I know your father said it was about, around about a year Yeah, it's about six months for my dad. Mm. It's weird because again It's a cancer that most people don't talk about. Yeah, but it's well, if you get it It ain't it's not yeah. a pretty situation yeah.
0: by any means, you know, fortunately he didn't have He didn't have any issues like he had a he had a pretty good the entire time Okay. Like, it didn't did really... You,
2: did he go through chemo? Did you guys do any radiation chemo. or chemo? Yeah,
0: he went through chemo. Did he and get nauseous a lot and kind of lose his little bit of he did. The, he did it first, stuff? but after, after that it stopped. He just okay. got tired.
1: When okay. they first found it in the liver, I remember you saying they thought it was um, potentially treatable and, like, something that there was a, a pathway out of. Yeah. When it yeah. was in the liver. Like, there was a chance, at least.
0: Yeah, there possibly. I, I don't remember the details, to be honest with you, but, like... I think I think what it was, it wasn't. Tr- it, it was treatable, but it wasn't curable, and they could have like prolonged things. But sure. yeah, but yeah, I don't know. So once they once they found it in the esophagus, it was kind of like yeah, it's just a matter of time. We can we can kind of, you know, yeah, whatever. So anyway, that's the
1: cancers. Story. Cancers a big killer. It's,
0: yeah, it's tough, literally. So
1: it's
2: terrible. Well, feel free, Jordan, on that story. Um, I'm sure we'll talk more about it um, at different portions of time or in the future. But, um, yeah, cancer's a bitch for sure.
0: What can we do to lift people up?
2: Well, (laughs) uh, this is a fan-submitted question. We'll we'll, we'll go to that because I don't want to miss that before we get to our final five. Uh, So – Always love to include a fan submitted question. I think that's fantastic. So, uh, question of tonight is: Will Jordan Powers ever get into bourgeois uh, type photos? No. For others, no, no, not Who genre. am
1: I supposed to hire then for me?
2: Yeah, him and Annie.
1: Annie's my dog <laughs> and that i don't know that clarifying that is a good thing
0: <laughs> you clarified it wesley well you started you J- jason will probably do it for the right price
2: <laughs> <laughs> i don't know that i need jason looking at me what i think of is just like you laying sideways on a bed with just just speedo a speedo on or maybe a thong wes um and then annie just sitting <laughs> on your belly
1: well here's the thing about having the dog in the picture even without the dog There'd be a lot of hair, but with her, there'd be a lot.
2: Yeah, amen. There you go. Well, uh, Jordan Powers, we never asked, uh, you know, earlier on in episodes I used to ask if people had middle names. Do you have a middle name?
0: Lucas. Lucas. Can you share Lucas? I'm pretty sure it was about, it was the county that I was born in.
2: Really? Lucas County.
0: County. Yeah. Okay. Conceived or born? Probably both. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know why. I just felt compelled to ask. Yeah.
2: So that roller coaster was in Lucas County?
0: I'm pretty sure. Okay, and uh, Jordan was actually from what's the novel? The uh, is it Grapes of Wrath? No,
2: Hmm.
0: one of those Great Gatsby, maybe one of those old classic. I don't know. You tell us. One of those old. You should know what you're. I don't. Is I can't remember. But they're <laughs> looking there, at us. There, like we there, should tell there you. There was there was a name Jordan in one of those old the famous Bible? books, or maybe it was maybe it was a famous movie. Jordan River. Yeah, I was gonna say that was no, the Bible. No, Jordan. I think that's what they eventually just said. Oh yeah, but it means that. so anyway. Yeah. But yeah, it was like if I was a boy or a girl, it would have been Jordan.
2: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a good name. I actually like it more for a female than a male. No offense. That's fine. Uh, and and by just
0: just because names are interesting to me, Powers is an Irish last name, and it, I believe, originated from. It referred to like basically poor people, so like, I don't I don't know the the details about Seems all ironic. that. So I know, I know, but like, there's a particular region in Ireland where. Like It was like POURS, like, like P-O-U-R-S kind of. Okay, okay. But it was, yeah, I don't know. So anyway, yeah, that's, it's a good that's last the name I just have that to that say, I mean,
2: it, not quite as good as Jones, but it's, no, it's solid. not solid. I mean, obviously mine's super original. It's, not, it's, not, it's also not as generic <laughs> as Jones, yeah. <laughs> super original yeah. name. Well, let's get to the final five, folks, tonight uh, with Jordan Powers. Obviously super appreciative of his time, his talents, and his friendship here. So question number one, um, if you could meet anyone... Dead or alive? Who would it be?
0: You know, uh, I'll give my Christian answer, and that'd be Jesus. <laughs> uh, Amen. Like you know, the Christian answer is that he is still alive, you know. But I, I would like to ask for some clarification on a few things, you know, because a lot of people wrote on his behalf, and it's like, you know, I'd like some clarification. Sure, you know? it's like like man to man. So, yeah, there's that, I would say. Okay. Um, That's a whole other discussion. Sure.
2: I like that answer.
0: Non-religious, probably, like, honestly, I think, I don't know, to be honest with you. It'd It'd be cool to meet somebody from, like, the founding of the country, maybe just find out what they were actually thinking. Like, instead of hearing all of us trying to interpret what we think they meant, like, like get get deep with him. Let's do a get right. deep episode with George Washington. Sure. Okay, George, look, what should we be doing in 200 years? Or right. More? Yeah, so maybe something like that. Or
2: invite him to live a day in our world currently. Yeah. To take a look and get go. Get him
0: some Cholitos. Well, this
2: is exactly what I was thinking. This would be uh, probably not.
0: Get a photo for the, social, the Facebook page. That would be.
1: Would be so content the revolution would even happen.
0: I know. Yeah.
2: Shit, right? Question number two.
0: Architectural structure
2: you'd love to photograph, but haven't yet anywhere in the world.
0: See that, that's what makes me a bad architectural photographer is that I don't really know a lot about architecture. I just know what I like when I see it. I like things with a lot of light that like just make cool, dramatic looking.
1: Well, let's, let's pivot that a little bit then to structures, you know, that you would like to photograph.
0: Mm. I would like, honestly, I would like to reshoot the entire white house. Um, but have, like, full rain and just, like, two days to shoot it.
1: Who do you think you'd need to talk to to make that happen? Because they might be listening.
0: They probably are. Duh. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I actually have no idea who that would be. Okay. I, I would imagine, honestly, it would probably be because who, what, what branch t- technically controls the White House? Isn't it, like, I don't think it's, because it's a... Well I guess the National Park Service controls the White House grounds. I don't know about the actual White House. I would guess the Secret Service, but I don't no. know. Anyway, I would I would love to photograph the White House. Okay. Yeah. yeah. In detail.
1: Well, I'll reach out to my friends and see if we can make that Please happen.
0: Please do. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> do it, Wes. Get it done. I'll, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you part of the committee. I'll, 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 oh, they're I'll, not going to pay. I'll credit you as like an executive producer. <laughs> yeah. I don't Here's care. Some... Actually, I, I would do it for free.
1: I know you would. I would too. Yeah. <laughs> I would take classes and figure out how to do it.
2: Number three, what really excites you at the end of the day? Besides Wes,
0: yes, um, well,
2: same. We're on the same page there. Stop it. What like really if, excites? Like me. what really like something that gets just really gets you going, like.
0: Honestly, like just sitting around talking about ideas. Sure. I absolutely love doing it again. Even if it's a bad idea, I just, I love just brainstorming Mm -hmm. and just like seeing what, what comes out. Like, I just love it.
2: Does that ever shut off?
0: The amount of business ideas we've come up with that will like probably never happen, but somebody else will eventually do it. And they're,
1: they're literally million dollar ideas, if not hundred million dollar ideas. Some of them that you and I have just kind of back and forth and they're just, they're sitting there, they're on the yeah. shelf and they 100% could happen with someone that just wants to, I want to be a part of these happening. meetings
2: going forward.
1: Literally it, it could. And I'm not exaggerating. I'm not being egotistical. Like yeah. some of these ideas are legit. They're big, but we're doing other things and we're passionate. Well, we're doing what's things.
0: within our capacity at the moment. You know, it's like, well,
1: if I dropped everything, I could chase any one of them, you know, and same thing with you, but we also enjoy what we're doing and yeah. the ideas themselves, just because they're very lucrative doesn't make them enjoyable. Right. right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's like somebody else can do it. That'd yeah. Be fine. Right.
2: Exactly. Question number four, what's next for Jordan powers?
0: Honestly, I think I'm finally at a point in my life where I don't have any plans. Like, and you're okay with it. I'm okay with it. Like I don't have any big, You know, I'm always looking for like, what am I going to do next year? What's, what's five years look like? But it's like, I'm finally at a place where it's like, I, I, I've realized that in hindsight, everything that I've done and that has happened has like kind of came with the wind. You know, it's like you, you go from one thing to the next, you meet people, you go different paths. Like I never would have expected to start doing video again. And I seen these, these guys posting these horrible videos. And I Thank just happen you. to reach out to them. <laughs> Thank you for that. And then now, now here we are. I'm, I'm, you know, like honestly, the the tra- 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 trajectory of my life and my career has all happened because I, I've always let one thing lead to another. So I think I'm kind of kind of continue that.
2: I like it. Yeah. I'm, you, you've you've reached contentment in a certain point. You know, I, you have the talents to do what you need to do when you want to do them, right? With all the experience and knowledge, yeah. right? But you're content with where you are willing to kind of let let things go a little bit
0: and becoming content.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's good. It's a good. It's a good quality to have final question of the night. Ladies and gentlemen, question number five. All right. And one of Jordan's favorite because he listens to the episodes. If this was your last night, I thought
0: we weren't doing that on the
2: planet, Jordan. (laughs) Well, you said you don't like him because they're they're not profound answers. Now is your opportunity to give a profound answer.
0: So go ahead and ask the question, and I'll I'll, I'll, clarify. Go ahead. Ask the question. Let's finish it up. Okay.
2: Jordan Powers, if this was your last night on this floating orb in the sky we call Earth, um, with all the wisdom, the knowledge, all the things you've learned, um, what would be your final message to your family and to the people that you've met and inspired?
0: If it was my last night, I have a lot of apologizing to do that I never got around to. So I don't know there's any last pieces of wisdom. I would spend most of my time apologizing to people.
1: That's the most unique answer of anyone that's ever done that. Yeah. So And probably real.
0: A lot of closure. Yeah, a lot of closure yeah. needs to happen.
1: Good on you. Yeah. I like it. It's very real. Uh, as we wrap up, I just want to say, obviously, I think I made it clear. The friendship. Yeah. I want you to move back to Minnesota because I think you're a dumbass, but I love you. Yeah. Um, but also, super appreciative of you and our friendship. And I really, genuinely, there's I, I don't know that there's another person in my network that I value bouncing ideas off of more, um, building businesses with more. Just really appreciate you. So, thanks for coming on the podcast, and thanks for editing and doing everything you do.
0: Thanks, I appreciate kind words.
2: Yeah, thank you, Jordan. It's been it's been fun to get to know you more uh, through this process and just over the years. And um, excited to see what the future holds for yourself, your family, and of course, you being uh, a part of the Get Deep podcast with us.